The best damn league show, period, is brought to you by eSportsBet, the industry's leading crypto odds matrix. If you have yet to deposit onto their site, you can, using our referral link in the description box below, get a 50% deposit bonus on up to 200 US dollars. Now, they cover League of Legends, Rainbow Six, Valorant, CSGO, Dota 2, FIFA, all the games you could imagine. So, if you're someone who's yet to make any bets in esports, if someone who wants to try it out for free, they have the DJT, they have the World's Prediction Series 2 contest. If you're someone who wants to switch up where you make your bets, how about esports bet? Right, this is going to be another episode of the Best Damn League Show, period. As you can see, we've got a guest for this one. We've got Zabatine, who people might know he coached for teams like Optic. What was the other one? What was the other NAT? Immortals. I mean, Immortals. I just did Optic Immortals. And then I worked, uh, I mean, I would say undercover for other teams in EU, uh, yes. like LDLC. But I, he wasn't official. I was not a head coach back then. So yes, I mostly sure. did Optic and Immortals. Yes, obviously what I've done there is I'm such a huge fan of Xmithian, so as I've actually memory hold that that team ever existed. You know, oh. that, that's what I've done as a favor for you to have a team. You know? and obviously, I wasn't even going to bring it up, but since you bring it well, up, I mean, look, on it, you know? we would have to clear the air here because, you know, people, people that follow my stream... most hated team of all time, pretty much, right? One of my most hated teams of all time, and for people that that, that know my stream, I was actually really, really critical back it in the day. It was the classic the lineup, exactly. Yes, yeah, right. I know, I know. I, yes. That's something I would, that... I, we need to get rid of the way you know it's like i feel like it got so unjustified i mean maybe we'll have the chance to speak about it later on but it's it was a if you want to address oh, it, talk give, about us, it now. Give, give us a count an hour we just have yeah, to get a minute segment just give us your thoughts now what what do you think was unfair I mean, okay let, let, let's just let's just start it with this how about i just give so the take that i had that that people got up in arms with was that i thought that that echo was no nowhere close to the level of what an import should be in LCS. And the reason that he was in the team was because Zabutin was French and so as uh, was French as well. So I thought that there was like, there was this French bias because of the fact that he came from LFL and uh, yeah, he just wasn't at the the level of what oh. you'd ex you'd expect of like, you know, the Jens and the Bjergsen. I mean, one of the things that we always said on, on the crackdown was that should be a spot for somebody who's considered one of the best players in the entire world. Like they, like if somebody like Faker or Chovy came to your team, they would be occupying the same spot within your team sure. as somebody like Aka. So that's what I was really hard on Aka and Ryoma. And I was just saying that the reason that Aka uh, was in the team was because he was French. Yeah, which I think is was kind of, kind of wrong because, you know, I was just following ERLs and I was... I was actually on the, like on the market on different rookies and it happened that and so many players at the same time. And it happens that Aka was the, the first one to actually agree to work. Uh, and you know how it works in off-seasons, right? It's like you you you, you inquire many players, right, that you find think the profile is going to be good for your team. And you need to sell down the slots because you don't know, like they tell you like, oh, you know, I'll call back tomorrow. And then you call them back tomorrow and they're already taken by another yep. team. And then the player that you put on hold found another team as well. So you have a very, very high first come, first serve, right? Yep. And it's not like I just took Aka because he was first serve, right? But it's like the players from NA that I was in, in reach with made like some, like made me wait, right? And the, the 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 clock was ticking, and I knew like we already had kind of an idea of what we wanted to do, and I have to say right with Aka's uh, play style, you see that when he came back to LFL, 
he actually played terrible, right? In the first place, yes. he really played, didn't play well. And I think that's that's a that's a thing about Aka, and I was wrong on that, and I own it, right? Like that's the part is this is my fault that he didn't play well because he's a player that actually helps the team play well if he has very high carries, like very strong carries to play around, right? For instance, in LDLC this year, you see it's that he's playing against exactly, and he was playing around around comp the the year before, right? He had Herit and comp, which. Obviously, he played very well in their respective team in LEC this year. I mean, here he didn't play well. The the the, the I would say this last year he was good. So whatever, keep on the point stands. Keep yeah, going. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's very good laner. So I feel like it's just the, the idea of AK was great. It's just the execution of AK was not good because I gave I put him in a team where Soaz wants to play for the team, Xmidi uh, wants to play for the team. I could also play for, the team. Want to play was... for the team, and yeah, that that, that exactly. was that was but that that's my, that's my mistake because when when I built the team, I was like, okay, so I'm gonna just build a team out of players that are very intelligent about the game, and I want just to play like more around like the fundamentals, the rules of macro and stuff like that. But you know, I realized during the process by actually screaming and stuff like that that you need one very like young rough diamond that actually just you know clicks insanely well and like these smart players can actually enable and that's that was my like i own it because you know it's like there is no, there is nothing worse than people that actually don't own their mistakes but i feel like giving this back on aka and saying he's not good i don't think it wasn't good yes probably was not like the best import that any ever existed but if you look at his track record after immortals whenever you got a team that actually fits his profile is shining and right now he's probably the best crl player with Ragnar and Yike, like the top three, the, the, the top side of the map for IGLC is probably the best CRL uh, top side uh, and probably better than most of your top side from uh, from from LEC. So I just thought it was all justified because I don't think it has to do anything to do. It would have been like, I don't know, from Serbia, Croatia, uh, Hungary, whatsoever, I would have picked him the same way. Like I was discussing with a lot of rookies from EU and it has nothing to do with the fact that he's French. Okay. Do you have any closing comment on that, Dom, before we move on? Uh, no, I mean, I because th- I, I had that, that take when the team was formed that I just thought that it was You did, like... actually. I will say, when that lineup was announced before it played, Dom mm-hmm. did actually say he thought, like, this Smithy Soaz part, like, didn't work. And, like, essentially, there were too many supportive elements. Yeah, that's Yeah, true. I just thought that, like, so when I when I thought about Soaz, that was, that was uh you know, after recently came off the Misfits year, I believe, which yep. was, like, pretty bad, but... Before that, when he was playing with Fnatic, the last like split that he actually had a good year, he was just like a tank player, essentially. Like He wasn't playing the carries anymore. Bwipo would come in, play the carries, he would play the tanks. And then Xmithy was just like the the facilitator jungler for um uh, for Team Liquid before that. He was just, that was his, his famous role on the team. So when I, when I saw the team, I'm like, why would they assemble a team like this? And the only the only thing that I could come to logically was like, maybe it has to do with the fact that I believe where you were casting LFL at a point or you were casting the French League at a point. Uh, I've never That's casted true. the French league uh, because it was not really popular uh, back you when I was. You do the French caster. broadcast of LEC. But I do. I do. I did. Yeah, I've been a caster for for nine yeah. years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was more just a regional broadcast of the other. I was doing LEC and LCS. I was doing LEC, LCS, LCK mostly in Wells. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, when I when I looked at the team, I was like, what do these players have in common? It's like, oh well, you have these players that theoretically shouldn't work on the team, and they're all French. So like. It's it's like it's not something where I was I was saying that this is hundred percent like the point. It's like I'm just like what else could it could there be? You know, like, speculation. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, sure. it wasn't like speculation or necessarily like pure damnation. My main thought was was not even that. My main thought was that I just thought Ico was not good. I was like this guy is taking a spot from players like 
like a blaze olive pal fox at that time which i had seen and now you see they're performing actually kind of decently in lcs mm -hmm. and i was like what does this aika guy bring that our talent doesn't and this was in the, the years where almost no na talent was getting shots like season 10 mm -hmm. it was just like no na mid laner were getting shot they were getting aika and ryoma and i always paired them together because i'm like these are two players and at that time ryoma uh occupied an import slot he was from um oce that was before the the merge yep. or whatever before they were counted as na players and i was like why do we keep on importing players from regions that are not better than our than our uh are players that are already here just because they're imports. Like it makes no sense to me. So, I mean, my my main criticism of of, of Ico was that I just didn't think he was at the level of an import. When I look at what the other imports uh were in the league, mm. just look nothing close um to to what I expected. So, you, you yeah, know, and then I I think he also was just having like a, like a bad time because I watch uh I watch some some LFL now and he looks like a completely different player. He looks way more confident, way more like poised throughout the game. It felt like he was probably pretty nervous to be playing with an LCS and have that pressure of being an import uh, on the team. And obviously the team wasn't doing well, so maybe that had some effect on on why he's playing so poorly. Because I will say, watching LFL now, I mean, he looks he looks pretty good. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I feel, you know, it's it's not like it's at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. Just it stuck to me, like you know, some some sometimes analysts, like public analysts, like you, they say things resonates because a lot of people can't like I would say formulate a p p proper opinion on, on the industry because either they have no info, either they have no analysis of the game, and so it's just gonna be all oh, you know. So I had the nepotism thing like for probably a year and a half, even after like my firing of immortals. It's like oh yeah, you just like nepotism and stuff. I was like. It feels it feels bad because I feel like I've I've chosen so as it was legitimately a, like an import slot the top laner uh, even though like he didn't have like mm -hmm. that great of a record. I understand where you come from for Aka, but I felt like it had such an eco that shouldn't have. But I mean, it means that you're very popular at the same time, right? Because when you say <laughs> something, everybody will pitch nice. it. And now we're doing a show together. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. No, it's fine. Yeah, then. whatever. I mean, like we've 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 resolved that aspect. Because I don't exactly. give a fuck about ERLs or the LFL or France in general, mate. Like I am from England. That's just who I am. So let's start talking about fucking LEC. So spoiler, I'm going to give everyone out. I'll even do this for Dom as well. Here's the sort of lay of the land of how this episode's going to go. Here's the scouting mm. report, Dom. Because if you have the scouting report, this is going to be a banger episode. But otherwise, we could fuck up. Here's the issue, right? Here's how you do this. You know, I always tell you, Dom, te technically, when we have shows on guests on this show, I try not to make it like Crackdown, but it's just an interview. I try to make it mm. more like, since this show is me and Dom giving our take each week on LEC, the guest just does the same thing. They just join in to give their take, and then there's interaction, right? So here's where it's going to be interesting, Dom. Because you have to understand, the thing with Zabatine, I was talking about this on my watch party I did on the weekend, so I'll say the same thing here basically you have to understand he's a bit like if anyone's ever seen in csgo we have an analyst in that game called maniac who's swiss actually and he has a similar vibe basically what will happen is this dom he'll never hard flame a player like he'll never say a player is shit he will never say a player is bad he will never okay. for example like just speculate like oh the comms are just trying he'll never say something like that he will always couch it in like disclaimers basically now in now it, it is worth saying so he fits right in he does exactly he, what we do the problem is well the issue is this store dom because it's entertaining we don't always put in a million angles like we don't just say like well i personally think that my perception of this we just say this team is crap because the logic is like we gave our thoughts so basically that's where it'll be a bit different so all i'll say is this basically just don't worry about it. just give your thoughts he's gonna say he's totally different anyway and the joke is half the time he might even agree with you but he'll couch it in such a different way the fans will think he gave a totally different point so it'll all work out great don't worry it's, i've, I've worked right. to be like this before i actually okay. think it, it actually works well for a show like this because he's gonna balance us out a little bit 
it, mate, because I'm going to absolutely say well, I mean, it doesn't... kicked out the league and all the classic Thorinisms, you know. <laughs> Look, I, I mean, maybe, I mean, I, I can't say. I know that you do your, your streams generally in French, right? Like, so you do a lot of yes, like, your analysis in French. At least when I've checked your stream, you've been doing it in French. And, you know, maybe there's a culture difference. See, Americans, you know, we, we like the, the, the brashness, the toxicity layered in to just make make the entertainment flow. So I guess I kind of, you know, it's like it's like the Immortals point. I'm like, here's why Immortals sucks. Do the full breakdown. And then I'm like, why did they get them all? Because they're French, like, and then that's the part that they all attach to, and exactly. that's why uh, we have this great conversation at the beginning exactly. of, of the show. I mean, exactly. Um, you know, I used, I used. This is what I say to Torin is like, I used to be like you guys. I like, I, I was on the French broadcast. I was making like, it's like this player is fucking dog shit. I don't care. Like, he, he should like okay. just play better. And and eventually, what happened is being on the other side, right? See, like first being with the players and seeing like the, the repercussion of what what say on them. But not only that is like the repercussion of what's said on the people that actually manage and hire these players. The problem is what I say, if I, if I say it, and people just take it as like, oh, it's a fact, I know it's gonna have repercussions. Like for the French, for the French industry, for the French audience, if, because I, I do think that uh, my voice is sometimes heard, I try to disclaim as much as I can in a way that people can just take it as, 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 a, as a matter of fact and they, they can just follow blindly what I'm saying. So it's just what I do. So Thorin told me but like he's he did the opposite. And, and we're just sociopaths. We don't give a fuck about yeah, anyone else. We're just, gonna do well. we're just trying I to actually, ruin careers. <laughs> like, I did try to explain this to him though. One of the reasons why I actually I personally explicitly don't do what he's talking about is because I've actually done that with my work in the past, Tom, like my written work in esports back in the day. I can tell you it has no effect on the fans. The fan will take an incredibly like nuanced paragraph about like just where is someone in the rankings or how good they are, and they'll still at the end go, So you're just you just hate him and think he's shit then. Like the joke is they just hit the same fucking sentiment anyway. Anyway, so I don't sure. worry about it personally. So let's get into yeah. it anyway. Because I thought I, I, let me just let me just give my take so that everyone doesn't think that I am a just complete sociopath before we okay. get into this. Because it's like you just flame all the players and you've you're just ruining their lives behind the scenes. What I do is I try to just actually be honest in whatever I say. So I think that that is the the core part for me. I don't care as much about how it comes off as that. I am being honest with like what I think is good, what I think is bad and how I see League of Legends. So that is like how I'll always end up going through things. And it's not like I'm trying to be overly mean. I just try to be like, I just want to, I just want to say what I think. That is the main part of cool. like all my analysis that I, that I do. Yeah, yeah. So obviously sometimes there'll be embellishments, but I hope that the more intelligent viewer can tell when I'm just trying to be entertaining or trying to be funny. And when I'm being serious about like a real problem within the game. So that, yeah, that's, that's way, my little defense there. I'll just throw this in there. I actually, I'm different from Zabatine because I do want teams to kick people out who I think are shit and I don't like Zabatine. Like, I, you I'm you want here. them to be depressed. You're like, look, that is my take, but I hope you didn't act on my information. No, I, mate, I hope uh, every fucking Carlos watches this episode, right? Yeah, get him out of the team, get uh, upset in the squad. Like, that's what I want yeah. at the end of every episode. Okay. But I'll also add in as well, the reason why I can say like, Dom, it's not as big a deal to me is because I'm also not pretending I am like the only authority in the world that everything I say is a fact. Like, it's just my take. So if you if you go and fucking spend millions or kick people based on my take, then you should get the consequence of that. Either you think I'm smart and you made the right call, or you made a terrible fucking call. You just listen to a guy raving in fucking YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, so so Thorne oh. is the type of guy that 
that he sees Fake God's Twitter profile after he gets kicked from Dignitas and he takes away his profile. He makes his bio just say nobody. It just says nobody on it. Deletes all of his tweets, deletes all of his social information. And you can tell he's going through a hard part and Thorin's like, got him. Like, nice. Like, thank God they got him out of the team. You know, maybe Listen, Dignitas man, can win something. No one has a human right to play professional league legends. I've tried to explain that to all these women who keep telling me, there's a lot of women in esports. It's not fucking paradise, is it? You idiot. It's a field. You have to be good. Like, come and try and be good, you fuck. So actually, let's try Jump into this because I tell you who is good right now, Zabatine. Probably the most interesting team I actually think to talk about in the LEC is Mad Lions. Because if we think about it, not only are they a great example, there's obviously so much you can talk about with how you balance out a roster. I mean, they're a great example of how the ro what literally one player difference makes a team look terrible or look like the best in the whole LEC. So, like, what, what are you, we, we've obviously talked about all the past episodes. Give us some fresh thoughts. What are your thoughts on Mad Lions, Zabatine? Like, for example, are they the best eye test team for you in LEC? Do you have them at the um, top? I feel like they're probably the most consistent. They are, they are very, like, what I like with Mad Lions is it's one of the few teams that actually wants to fight. Like, Nitsuki, as a player, really wants to fight. And I think Elioya always wanted to fight as, mu like, as much as he can. And I really uh, like the fact that they actually picked Nitsuki. I feel like Rika was uh, way too soft. I would say, as a, as a mid laner, to be able to fit into in such a team. The pacing of, of Mad Lions is pretty, is pretty aggressive as a, as a, across the board. I, I just enjoy watching Mad Lions because it's, it's creative, it's very diverse in the picks. They can play a lot of like, play styles, uh, even though like, we've seen them on a, the, probably the most boring meta of all time because it was Azir Korki for, for six weeks. Um, which was I completely like team's choices. It wasn't the actual meta. It was just what everyone in LEC was deciding to play. They wanted to play that boring style. They didn't actually have to do it, which is just a distinction I want to make because in LPL, we see completely different meta. Silas yeah, is that's true. That's true. No, that's true. And uh, from LPL, actually, a lot of teams have started to pick Lissandra and, and Swain and actually ignore the fact that Corki has to be matched Alia. with Azir. I completely agree with you on that. But yeah, it's it's overall a team that I feel on, to the core is very uh, similar to, to the ID that, uh, on which they built the, the original team. But just... They, they actually chose Niski, which I think fits perfectly because what he's done with Blabber, I think no mid laner has been able to do that with Blabber since then, right? Like if you if you see Blabber on the Niski era and you see Blabber since Niski left. Right, Dom, I don't know where you want to jump in on this, but there's, I think there's tons we can talk about Mad Lions. I've got a whole load of topics on this one. So like, I'll give it, do you want me to suggest an angle? Do you have a big angle you're talking about right uh, now? I mean, I don't have like a, a really revolutionary angle or anything like that, but I, I mean, I just agree with the overall sentiment that they are looking like the strongest team in, in LEC. And I would just say that over the course of the games that they've played, sure, they've thrown some games that they've lost. I mean, they, they threw the two of the three games they lost. Yes. They only had one bad game this entire time where it was like, what the fuck are you doing, guys? Which was uh, the XL game where Elioia just played like shit. Probably the worst game I've seen him play in, in his entire career. In that game. Yeah, I mean, he just he just griefed it completely on Lee Sin. You know, that was just, oh, my bad, guys. Like, I had a bad game. What yeah, are you yeah. going to do about that? You can I can easily discard that if the other 10 look good. So, I mean, I just feel like they obviously are the only team within LEC, besides for maybe SK sometimes, that actually plays the early game. It seems like teams are so willing to just handshake everything. No counterplays, no dives. It's just kind of like, we're farming. Oh, you went to Herald. We're going to come watch you do Herald. Oh, you got it. Okay, we're going back bot lane. Like, there's not really that 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 fight within other teams. And you can even tell from the first weeks of watching Mad Lions play, the effect that Niski had on the team as a, on just fighting for small objectives. Like he would drop a fucking ward. It's like, there's a pink ward here. We are dying for this pink ward. Like this pink ward stays in their jungle. If they come, we're fighting because we're stronger right now. They would just have those little catalysts for the fight that we didn't see other teams uh, having. So 
I mean, I just think that they have a, a good sense and they have a good mentality about how they want to approach fights, like when they actually do it. So, I mean, I, th I think overall the team just looks the most solid. When you compare it to Rogue, who's also 8-3, I mean, they're tied for first right now. I mean, in Rogue's losses, just, and even in some of their wins, I mean, the Rogue game versus Mad Lions, that's a Rogue win versus Mad Lions. They, they, I guess they have the head-to-head -head over Mad Lions right now. That doesn't look like a fucking win to me. You lost for 26 minutes, and then you won for the last two. You won from minute 27 and minute 28. I'm not, I'm not going to say that you're the better team based off that. So I, I at least like the way Mad looks stylistically based on the fact that they are not afraid of making plays. Yeah, the funny thing is, Zabatine, I noticed with all the top teams, because at the moment G2 isn't the best team and the teams that are on top are teams that, at least with this version, like even though Mad Lions are technically the champions from last year, like no one obviously treats this lineup like the same. If you look at the new squads that are on top of the league, I actually can see why people say Mad Lions they think is the best because they essentially start every game ahead. Like, dude, they actually are really good type of team. Like, like as I put, when he was saying that, Dom was saying, I was just thinking of that watch party in LCS where, like, I think there was a game, I think maybe it was, like, EGTL or something. There was a game that was, like, nine minutes with, like, one kill or something in that like, amount of time. Yeah, it was, like, it was like, 100 keys against EG. 100 keys against EG. definitely never going to be like that, mate. <laughs> no, dude, like, it, the three games you watched in LCS last Sunday were very, very, like, hard to watch, like, extremely painful. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's more consistency. It's very hard to rate, like, the level of a team when you don't play series because they never have the chance to actually have like back-to-back -back match against this, sure. like a good opponent, which uh, actually shows much more about what you, you are able to do, right? Like the loss against Rogue should not exist, but I would like to see like some 2-1, some 2-0, some convincing wins. But over, like across the board, there is not a single discussion about which team is the most consistent at playing well, right? Because like results matter. That's the only thing that matters in sports, but like the, 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 the way they play, you know that they're going to be kind of like competitive during the playoffs. There is no doubt that I'm already pretty confident in stating that Mad Lions has a high chance of actually securing top three's position and going to Worlds because they play well. Yeah, I mean, except like a, a completely collapse of the system or like a huge change in the patch. But knowing the players that you have, seeing Elioia playing like in, I remember him playing Lydia and Udyr and like being completely fine. He played way like a, a huge range of metas. I know that like they will will always find a way to make Armut play something. And their bot lane seems to be pretty pretty, pretty good at playing a, a, a laning laning dual lanes or like skating ones because they play skating lanes in in, uh, in the spring splits. So I don't really see like something changing the game that much that they wouldn't be able to play so besides a major collapse within like team the the, the people i think they're pretty they're pretty set for at least playoffs we'll see for worlds i mean they, they should be a, a set for well i mean saying saying they're set for playoffs doesn't really mean anything because like every team is going to get into playoffs at this rate i mean obviously like sk is looking a little bit better but like the teams with five wins like Misfits still has hard games ahead of them. Like you have Fnatic at five and six, having three games up with seven left to go. You gotta assume that that Mad Lions is gonna be able to make it. I was mentioning I more good showings in playoff, like being being more in the yeah. upper bracket and have a good showing in playoffs and probably like competing for the top three, top four. Being in playoff is already yeah, I agree with you. It's given. Okay, so so for that, I mean, I think that the the issue that I have right now is that there's so much less hype for me in LEC playoffs because of the way that Worlds works. Like getting four seeds is crazy because I mean this we could transition this into the topic because recently it was obviously released that you're now getting four teams into worlds instead of three because of the LCL not getting a spot to give the spot to the next most competitive region, which was um, LEC. But I think that the, the whole problem with that is you're there's a high likelihood like the most probable thing that will happen is that three teams will be guaranteed to go to worlds before they even play a game. So the seed number one is 
going to be guaranteed no matter what, because if you're seed number one going into playoffs, that means that even if you lose your first match, you're going to be higher seed than the loser of the match under you, which means that you're guaranteed into uh, round number three of the lower, lower bracket. So you're guaranteed worlds already. And if number one beats number four in the first round, then two and three are automatically guaranteed as well because they're, they're definitely going to be higher than the fourth seed as well. So don't you guys think that this is a little bit of a fuck playoff bracket where the, the most likely scenario is that three teams end up going to Worlds before even playing a game? It is, but here's the problem. is This is the issue I personally have with the entire Riot circuit is that the Riot circuit in theory is supposed to be a domestic championship into an international championship. But what you've just essentially said there, but I agree, is no one actually cares about the domestic championship if you've already qualified for Worlds. Like, it should. It should be enormous. They should be like, I, I've always thought they should flex it more. Everyone should have like a ring when they win and they should have badges and all this cool stuff that they did in Korea. Because otherwise, yeah, like you're saying, especially if you're anyone who's ever won before, by the way, like if you're like fucking caps, yeah, if you just make the top four, who gives a shit? You're going to Worlds anyway. Like, yeah, true, having like eight instead of seven's great, but like you've won a billion of them. So, I saw, I get what you mean, Dom. I agree. It takes like the, I do think it will make it a lot less hype in the playoffs. Like, not for me, I care about who wins LEC, but I think the players themselves probably don't care as much. I don't think it's as big a deal. And especially, like, look, they'll care once they get to the final. Obviously, the two teams in the final want to win. But the, yeah, the problem for me is the guy who like as you say he just makes worlds immediately and then maybe they're the one who doesn't do well in the playoffs that's going to feel like they're just going to be falling it in it won't feel like a real playoff for nothing what do you think Zabatine? Yeah. i mean do you care the, the, I, I i mean i don't really care it's just the format hasn't been thought with that in mind so it's pretty yeah, hard yeah, to blame it on the format right um i just but i feel like they could make know, a man, small adjustment to actually the, fix it yeah the, what would you do so just the fifth and sixth, instead of playing each other, they both, it's its like the same as the lower bracket in LCS. So the fifth and sixth are separated. Instead of playing each other to see who plays the fourth seed, you have you the lower buys, seed play. Yes. Yeah, you have the lower seed coming from the winner's bracket, uh, play the fifth seed, and then you have the higher seed play the sixth seed. Go. So then you at least have to play one series and you yes. have to win it to go to Worlds. At least you show that you're better than one of like the the um, the lower seeds. So that's like, that, that would be my yeah, small sure. adjustment without like reworking the whole thing. I actually really enjoy the original qualifiers like maybe i'm just like living in the past or something but i just i just really enjoy the fact that you had the playoffs and you were you were very excited about like thinking who's gonna win and the winner and the runner-up will actually go to worlds and for the third slot you had this whole small championship that created a new layer of excitement during the month of September. And it's like, who's going to join, right? Who's going to take the train? And so you had all these extraordinary gauntlet, right? The, the, the river sweeps come Cloud9, for instance, in NA. In EU, you had some amazing other, other gauntlets. I just don't like the idea of like, we play the playoffs. It's like, oh yeah, okay, you're eliminated and you go to Worlds. Because the end goal for the players, for the staff, for the audience is like, who's going to go to Worlds? Like if you top two... I was like, okay, you lost the final, the eighth side, and then you just go to Worlds and you go scream. So no one cares as much as if you have the climax of the final, which is an actual final, and then you have the climax of the original qualifier that actually, it's actually a final to go to Worlds, which doesn't Basically. happen in a new format. Like the way he's put the point, the distinction he's trying to make, which is a good one, actually, is essentially this in Dom's scenario that he explained, you can essentially win no games and just be told like, well, good luck. Cause like number one seed one, you're at worlds anyway. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. I guess. Whereas if that yep. was like, you had to win the gauntlet and you go through all those matches at the end, you win. It's going to be a way bigger sort of like flashpoint moment for your team. Isn't it? It's going to be like, right, this is what we fought for guys. Like it was the last spot and we won it. And like, that's going to be a way different vibe than as he's, I say, if someone sort of throws you a world's thing, like there you go, have your world 
world slot, like it's not going to mean as much as it. I get. I think you've got a good point there. Let's get back into the mad lion shit though, because here's the thing. I'll just go through a bunch of points on this. I thought a good topic actually. You brought him up, El Yoya, obviously there. I actually think this is a great topic to bring up because since there's been so much turnover with teams, I've noticed this is one of the few splits where I don't feel like many names have been co like consistently put forwards as MVP candidates. I haven't seen like the one big name, except for maybe when like G2 was winning the first games and Caps and Smurfing and Yankos, you know. Because, dude, I think El Yoya has to be in this MVP candidate discussion. Like, for me, like, look, obviously within his team, you could have the discussion, who is it? And actually, El Yoya, you could do that. But I think El Yoya's been a banger, mate. He maybe had like that one dodgy game against XL. That's about it. Aside from yeah. that, he's had some fucking Smurf games, man. He's looked really good to me. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that that, that it's it's a lot easier to play when your jungle when your mid laner is so active as a jungler. And I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm biased towards this, but I think that you can just see the impact that Niski made on this team. Like, think about them last split to this split. He's the only change. It's literally the difference between not making playoffs and potentially being the number one seed. Like, if that's not value, I, I don't know what is. You know, to me, that's just that's where Ice is the most valuable player um, in LEC currently. Is he? Yep. Yeah, he's basically yeah, I mean, saying he would take the Niski side of yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, like, Essentially, if I think El Yoyo's mega part, it's because of Niski, right? I feel like Niski overall, because probably he's not like a single carry man uh, in teams, he does. He, he get robbed of a lot of credit he deserves as a, as a player. Because, uh, I mean, if you take his track record, every single jungle he's played with has been showing insane performance. From Lyra to Blabber... To uh, Xerxi, it's like scary, any yeah. mid laner. Uh, last year yeah, it yeah. was who, who was it in, in general? Fnatic. Yeah, yeah, it was Whipple. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, if, if you do look at it like in the big picture, I, I agree that like Niski not only is, is a fantastic teammate and he brings way more than just like his value as a player, but he, he really activates the team because he's ready to pull the trigger to actually do something in the map. Like staying in the lane and getting like a lead of like two plates and three CS that doesn't doesn't mean shit to him and i have a lot of like i have a, a lot of respect and I, I would agree with dom on that like i don't think there is to be frank there is not a single player that has been really shining in any position to me in lec like for instance spring split video was a candidate hidi sang was a candidate as well marang was a candidate like you have three players in three different teams that were really like way, just as a disclaimer because i didn't say it at the beginning of the episode um Zabatine also personally coaches with vethio so it just just for the context when he mentions him that he, that he, he has a relationship with him yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that, for instance, this split video has been showing any, you know, not like... Just yeah, French. That's just that's just, just want to throw that out there as well. Another disclaimer, it has nothing to do with, uh, with the French bias. Uh, you you want to give me more shit that you already did? You want to you <laughs> give me the damage? I'm just joking, man. I'm just joking. I know. I'm just joking. No worries. No worries. But yeah, I feel I feel like besides Niski, there is not a single player because I feel the level in LEC is pretty is pretty low right now. Um, and the only thing I have a hard time with Elioia for your point, uh, foreign is I feel like the greatest like last year there was inspired Elioia and I would say Razork. I think Razork has a very bad year this year. I don't think there is any jungler uh, that's actually like a fantastic level jungle. They're all pretty good. But there is no like superstar jungler in LEC at the moment. You can put Yankos here and there, but I don't think like for instance, Inspired was for me the the top two, top one jungle last year, last summer split. And since he left, I think there is not that many players that can actually match Elioia. So that's why I feel like people will feel like he's so good. Is I think there is not that many candidates like besides Malrong probably that can actually put pressure on him. 
You know what? I actually even think when I'm thinking about it, like all the different teams Niski was on. Dude, I actually even think like name, like if you take the name plates off and you only use the eye test, I think this might even look like the best Niski team he's ever played in, mate. Like people are going to think of like the Cloud9 team. The problem See, they had was they didn't have any competition, did they? Like fucking FlyQuest was their competition for fuck's sake. So the problem with that one is we, we they never went Irma's eye, so we never saw how good they were. And then last year, dude, I think that Fnatic team in summer is one of the most overrated teams of all time. Everyone forgets they almost finished fucking like sixth place they almost finished sixth place so like they went to worlds great after a million game fives and then we never saw what they did at worlds so like i don't know why everyone acts like that was like the god team i, I was just impressed they made the final and worlds that's good so i actually think if you look at all the squads he's been in i think this looks like the best niski team mate. the whole team looks great since he joined the squad like he actually has somehow sort of set everyone else in their place like it looks awesome just looks like a fucking great coherent team yeah, the players I mean, have been selected around an idea. It's not just they've been picked because they're good, because for that you can go to Vitality or Fnatic, right? They are good players, they've been picked because they're good. They've been picked because they 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 cater to an idea of the way that you want to play League of Legends, and they have assembled pieces around an idea, and that makes a whole world of difference. Yep. I mean, I was just thinking right now, when you started mentioning MVP uh, candidates, and I feel like you have two players from Bad Lions. I don't even know who else you would throw in as a potential MVP. I was thinking maybe like, Patrick like that is somebody who could maybe be in the conversation from XL like I don't oh. think anyone in Rogue has been exceptional like I mean maybe Larson. you could throw Nikki X and say Larson yeah I mean, he, I had, he, had, he had one really smurf game against Fnatic I thought he looked fucking mega in that one I think he yeah. looked pretty good in that one. His problem is just not that flashy a player. Like, at the end of the day, doing loads of, like, a zero auto attacks isn't fucking sexy, is it? Like, it's just good. It does a lot of damage, but it ain't sexy. That's the problem, so... Like, well, I the thing, well, I'm thinking of, who, who else like, could be in there? Like, I think Larson could maybe be in there, especially with how many games they've won. Let me think I mean, you gotta put somebody from, from X... I mean, I would say somebody from, like, XL either... I mean, I wouldn't say Marcoon, even though I think he's playing well. I will probably say Marcoon, but yeah, I don't know. I, I would say maybe, like, Patrick or Mickey I'd throw in from, from XL, mm -hmm. but... I mean, those are the top three teams right there. Yeah, Rogue, yeah. Mad, and XL. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty hard to, to pick one right now. And like, also, those are fair. Those are fair picks. Sure. You're, I mean, you're not putting anyone from G2 with them being six and five right now in oh, the MVP no, no. conversation when oh, they just no. came off a championship, right? Like everyone's been looking shaky at points. So, I mean, it's tough. I mean, right now, it just doesn't seem like there's that many consistent teams. By the way, if you were, just to, to wrap up the Mad Lions topic as well, I would also say, like, I don't think it's an exaggeration. Pretty much every player looks better since the Niski move. Like, even like, I think from the first week, the team even looks even better like mate Kaiser is back to being one of the best uh, fucking supports in the whole LEC again like he looks mega mm -hmm. like we'll get to the topic I'm sure when we talk about Vitality but mate I, I always personally thought this is one of the other reasons I was always out on Kazi I always thought it was Kaiser out of that duo who was the better player I think that's just being fucking justified if you watch him without Kazi and you watch Kazi without Kaiser the album just fucking solved itself with AB testing and then mate the fucking here's the other reason it, it can't be Kazi was some god ADC mate Unforgiven's better than him in this team I don't give a fuck Unforgiven right now in Madlands is better than I ever saw Kazi be. Sure, they haven't played in the playoffs, so I can't say that, like, fundamentally, holistically, but, like, I think Unforgiven is actually fucking mega, mate. Like, this Draven game this week was just, it's just a stud. That's, like, some side shit as well, guys. Like, he had all the meta champs before as well. Like, this guy's just good. He's just a really strong ADC. And whoever yeah. found that guy, what great scouting they did with him. Fucking great job. Ooh, who who was that uh who was that uh the, that Draven game? I mean that Draven game, he was just I mean he was just absolutely fucking smurfing. Well, I, I think it? the funny thing the funny thing is that last year during Worlds 
that was like the Mad Lions content creator that people were saying was a partial owner, but then it turned out he was a content oh, creator. Yes, that yes, the one who made that weird tweet. Yeah, sure. Who made the tweet? He said, he said, like, man, like, why is Carzy in this team? I would take Flocket over him. And everyone was like, boo, like me too. I was like, fuck that guy. Like, you're a piece of shit. How could you say that? You're fucking gold. And like, now I'm just sitting here. I'm like, God damn, bro. Like, He's I mean, visionary. Exactly. He's that a visionary. Well, shit. Like, he might have a point. <laughs> like, sure. damn. So. Just thought about that when you were talking <laughs> real quickly. I, I feel like the conversation about ADC is always so skewed. It's so hard because I always take the example of Bean, right? You take Bean in the context of Last Worlds playing with Hideseng. And I feel like when you're playing in a, like when you're playing with Hideseng and Hideseng plays well, like you're in the jacuzzi. Like you can remember, I think it was JDG versus Fnatic in 2020. Yeah, Reckless and Hidisong looked like the best dual lane in the world against like Chinese dual lanes. And then the next year you see Bean playing with Hidisong and it looks it absolutely a, fantastic. It was against Top Esports. It was against uh, Top Esports, Yuyangia. sorry. Yeah, yeah exactly. Jackie Love, that's what it was Yeah, against. exactly. And, 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 and you felt like these players are insane. Like Reckless is the best ADC in the world. And what I see is like the common point about Patrick without, without Mikix, right? Playing with at VN or uh, it's the support, man. Like... Any ADC that has been playing at Rogue looked fantastic. Hensama with Trimby was the best ADC in EU. You look up, upset with Hedisung, way better than any any point at uh, other point of his career, right? Whether you like him or not, he was still he's still better now that he was in the past. So I would say there is a, a huge underestimation on like uh, Kaiser as a player, and I know from a fact that he really likes to engage and play kind of an impulsive way when he sees an opportunity, wants to go for it. That's what great supports do, but you need to know that your team is following you. And I feel in that sense, Niski is enabling everyone because he creates this culture of like if you see something just flash on him i will flash i will trust you and if you fail we're just gonna laugh about it like nothing's dramatic like niski just fails it's just laugh about it and just like go, go go to the next game and i feel like that's 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 so important and i would say from rogue maybe trimby would be one because i feel like trimby is kind of the hidden mvp of lec to some extent because any player that's been playing with trimby looked like the best adc in the league yeah. And you look at comp right now, you look at comp in, in, in a Vitality. I mean, it was a way different from the Vitality team right in the past. But you look at him right now and you're like, man, comp is comp like a, an ADC genius? Yep. And obviously Trimby like, plays a fantastic, like immense role in, in that, in that, in that level of play. I saw there were some fans in some of the match threads trying to like fucking suggest that like Trimby should be an MVP candidate. But like, I think that's a bit of recency bias, guys. If you go to the beginning of the split, he was having some dodgy games. Like, well, I mean, just, his last game... Was... hype off this Fnatic game or something, you know, you're getting too high off that, I think. Well, I mean, he just played a game of Sejuani support. It looked fucking useless in that game. But I mean, I will say that he has, he has been good overall. And I, I agree with Zabatine's uh, point overall. I mean, uh, one thing I would say is I think Upset and Ignar back in like the Schalke days, maybe that was another uh, duo that was close to like the the Hillisong upset um where i thought that he looked as good um but i do agree i think all 80 carries are just kind of good and there's a lot of really fucking bad support so if you're a good support i feel like you could abuse so much harder than a good 80 carry can because like when you look at like the 80 carry like i mean outside of x maddie right and maybe Jesu. I think Jesu's been playing a little bit better. But outside of those two, you look at all the other AD carries. They're all fucking solid. I mean, Misfits is dealing with Neon. Like, you have you have Upset on Fnatic. Like, that's 7th and 8th place right out there. Like, those are players that are tied for 6th. I think Kabi is kind of good. But then you think about, like, some of the supports that have been in, in LEC in recent years. And it's like, damn, like, the, the bottom end of support normally looks pretty rough. So, you know, that, that's a little bit of support flame that we'll, we'll interject. But, yeah, I, I agree with Trimby potentially being MVP candidate. I think it just depends on where they end up. And if... They continue to look good. 
I think we've got actually the perfect segue here because the next team actually I was thinking of talking about, it's going to, some of the discussion is definitely going to be about the bot lane. It is fucking Vitality Sabatine. So here's the thing. I'm actually looking forward to this particular team because I tell you what, if you're going to use all fucking disclaimers and couch all your sayings very carefully, be nuanced, you're going to have a fucking hard time. So get ready. Put your, put your hard hat on, mate. You're going to work on this one because like I just said earlier, right, I've always low key, I, I'd say hate to just colloquial. I don't obviously hate anyone as a person, right? I've sort of a Kazi hater, I do think he's mad overrated, and I don't care how many people come on my shows and tell me he's great at calling up the target in a team fight. Like that ain't enough. Like, like when I watched this last weekend, Zabatine, I see him in the bottlet. Like that lane's just fucking garbage. Him and Labrov is nothing. It's like they have anti-synergies. Look, they don't even look at this. They even know they're on the same team. He just plays crap and still, still dies lords. I don't know how an ADC player dies as much as this fucking guy does, and then get I get told he's a brilliant ADC player. Like you're an ADC player. Stop dying! And then Labrov just does nothing. And the reason that kills me is this. Because if we're going to do the same model we just did there, we use the lens of the support and the ADC. It's not a solo lane, right? Well, I have to say, you know what? As much as this is going to sound harsh, like I don't think Labrov's very good. In general, I've never seen him in LEC be good. I know the hype from when he was in ERLs and when he's solo queue. But mm -hmm. I get that, that he's clearly got skill, right? But what I don't get is this, Zabatine. When I saw fucking Labrov play with Crownshot, he was all right. He wasn't like this. He wasn't like fucking shit every game. Like, that bot lane was all right. So I'm I'm really concerned about this team. Like, I know everyone else normally focuses on the jungler or Alfari. Like, I will have this discussion. So come on, Zabatine, give me your thoughts. What are your thoughts on the on the bot lane of Vitality in this sense? I mean, I'm not I'm not a Kazakhstan, so I'm, you know, I'm not going to fight for against you for that. I feel like he had a very good showing in the last MSI he played in. I think it was last year. He was very, very good well, on Kazakhstan. He played in the semis, you mean? Yeah, he did look good yeah, against played, whatever it was. Played, yeah. He was good a year and a half ago. That is true. Yeah. I agree with that. No, no, no. That's, I mean, I, I'm, that's the only time I've really seen him like as a top-level ADC. Right. Aside from that, I would say that... I don't. I wouldn't say that like he's like among the probably like terrible ADC needs to be relegated in ARLs or anything, but he doesn't stand out to me. Like the the player as an ADC that has been standing out for me since a year and a half, even though he was playing worst support and probably not winning, was Patrick. I'm I'm a huge fan of Patrick because I feel like. I don't like ADCs that you need to inject the whole resources of the team in to actually have a functioning carry. Like I don't like this play, this type of of players, and I don't like players that are just like ADC that are just like lane gods, and they want to play Kalista every game, otherwise like the game is over. And I don't like weak size ADC either, like Kobe that will not be able to play with the strong side. I think Patrick has, has it all, right? He can, like, he's a jack, probably jack of all trades in, in that sense where he can actually carry uh, on pretty much any type of, of, of dual lanes. Uh, I think Kazi in that regard has shown very good performance on Kaisa. And when he has Kaisa, I think he's a great ADC, but I don't think like he has anything standing out for himself. And Labrov, I think, I don't know if he's confused when he plays competitive or on stage, but if he, he seems just to forget or not understand the rules of the game. Like the, the moments he goes for vision, the moments like the, the position around the wave, the trading patterns, the, 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 just the trading moments, the, the, the moments he like decides to actually like trade with the opposite dual lane doesn't seem to be reflecting the game theory, right? Like there is there is a missing piece in, in Labrov where some some missing somewhere because it's been it's been some time now, right? He was a rough diamond from solo queue when like 2020? Oh, years ago now, yeah. It was what, like, yeah 2020, 2020, right? 2020, Sounds right. about right. Yep, yeah. 2020 summer. So it's pretty hard to give him like, give him like many excuses about it because it's been like not not a lot of players have the chance to have five splits in LEC. So mm -hmm. for him, it's been five splits, and I still don't see like vitality leading in the bot side of the map whatsoever. 
So it's yeah. pretty hard because I don't think Perks and uh, Haru have a great chance of like stomping 2v2s because winning 2v2 in, in, in Europe is pretty hard. So it's Alfari show every single game, otherwise they don't have early game. They just don't well, have an early game. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Haru just AFK jungles the entire time. I will say this though, I don't know if this changes your, your opinion, Thorne, but I wanted to throw this past you. So Lebrov has recently hit, solo, hit rank one in solo queue again for one. the 18th time in the last two years. Do you now think that he might be just the future? The sad thing about that, dude, is that's actually what kills me about that narrative. If I didn't know any of that information, right, it'd be so easy to just go... Because here's the oh, thing shit. I always... Basically, I've, there's a million coaches, obviously, coming these shows, Zabatine, and then they know the what the players like in scrims or in the tryout, and so they have some different perspective. The problem is I always tell them, like, I'm not watching those games. I only watch the fucking pro games. So I'm sorry, I can actually watch, like, 50 pro games and go, you aren't good. Get out the fucking pro league. Like, oh, great in solo queue. Then fuck off to solo queue. So my problem is that, Dom. I actually think it's like to tie into what you're saying that if you're to do it as many times as he has he must be really skilled at fucking the mechanical part of League of Legends and he must even have some half decent decision making better than when he's playing support the problem is I get the vibe like Zabatine was saying there this guy looks to me like one of those players who just gets like paralysed in the game it's not that they, here's the difference right there are players like Hillisang will obviously into load of times and lose you a game but Labrov will actually lose games by doing nothing it looks like he, like he just gets the vibe of like I don't know what to do so fuck just do nothing like I actually think that that's the worst way to lose a game. I'd rather my guy in because he like, look, look, you made the wrong decision, but you made a decision. Like I hate people who just sort of sit around and up the game just gets won without them doing anything. I think it's just nonsense. How are you going to be a pro and do that? And also, you're doing that from the support position. Like, dude, that is the position that makes the players and reads the map and knows what it's happening. You can't be the guy who knows nothing. Be a support. What? That doesn't work. Not in LEC. Think of the names we were mentioning earlier. Zabatine, fucking Hillisang, Trimby, fucking Mickey X. Keep going. You could go like, fuck. Yeah, they've got some amazing players at this position. Like, this is a team, remember, that's supposed to be a super team. They want to win LEC, go to world. So you have to look at some of these positions and go, mate, how are you going to outperform like Mickey X? How are you going to beat out fucking Kaiser? Like, we've got too many good players at that position, mate. Yeah, yep. and I feel like the, the solo queue argument for me uh, is gone after Magi Felix carrier in LEC. I feel like Magi Felix is the epitome, right, of like a player that actually hardstones have 25 accounts in Challenger, uh, 16 in the top 10, the top 10, top 15, and and yep. on 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 in the on the lane, right? When you watch the laning phase uh, in LEC, it's like no, it's not good enough, right? It it doesn't match the the, the standards of the LEC, and competitive is a, is a slightly or a way different game depending on how how you want to approach it. But it's definitely not like enough for Labrov. And I mean, I, I, the problem is when they, they assemble this team, to be frank with you, I was not really fan of the idea of picking perks that I've seen his laning uh, in uh, Cloud9 last year, and I didn't feel like he was playing perfectly. Like, it, it doesn't reassemble to a Chauvis lane or a Showmaker lane when you see him lane. Awesome. So I was like, okay, it's pretty rusty laning-wise laning because, I mean, he's been playing ADCs for years and stuff like that. It's pretty late into his career, so switching and keeping that level is very hard. And coming back, it's like, oh, we're going to give him this, this whole set of insane players, but I don't see the ID. Like, I can't see the ID in Vitality's project. Like, whether it's with, with or without self-made, you have Alfari that's like... Uh, uh, he's great at laning. Like, if you want to pick a great top laner for laning phase, it's great, but it's not very serviceable for the team. And then you have dual lanes. It's like, 
two unknown quantities of players that should be ex excellent but haven't been able to show it. And then you put Haru in the middle now, and was self-made not Haru. And I feel like it's always a one-man show or no show at all when you watch Vitality games. It's like one guy is gonna do like something amazing, like Alfari, or Pear's gonna like have one of his shows. And if it's not the case, then it's actually one of the most boring team to watch because nothing happens and they just lose. Yeah, I mean, they have no, no, they have no strategy. I mean, what, one thing that I'll say about them is we we literally got to see Unforgiven versus El Yoya this week. Like we got, or, uh, sorry, Unforgiven versus uh, Karzi this week. I don't know why I said El Yoya. I, I saw his name on the screen real quick. Um, but we ha we got to see uh, that matchup. And not only does Unforgiven just kill them like 2v2 in lane, like Karzi just dies, gets Nautilus hook, dies. Then you have Unforgiven 1v2-ing. Karzi and LeBron. And at that point, it's just like, and that's also with them getting fifth pick counter pick. They got support counter pick. They saved it for R5. It's like, all right, you know what you're playing into. They pick Nautilus. Like, are you going to go something that actually counters it? They end up going Tom Kench and they just get fucking clapped. Like Unforgiven is literally like 6K gold up or some, or some shit at a point. It's like 13K to 7K in that game. What more can you say? Like at this point, they're just getting clapped no matter what style they play. When they play weak side, they're too far behind. When they try to play things that could contest, they just lose 2v2. I mean, it just doesn't even look like they're they're a team. They're consistently losing bot, and essentially the only way that they win is is a, is like Zabatine said, a solo lane pop off, and it's just not reliable enough. Like other teams just know what to do, and to make matters worse, the jungler that they selected, Haru, doesn't even know how to play off winning solo lanes. Like his solo lanes are winning, and he's like, "Nice, you guys are winning. That means I don't need to help you, and I can keep farming my fucking jungle." Like that's that's his take to having winning lanes. Like now I'm gonna be strong too. It's like no motherfucker, like. This guy is like, just dive them. Remember the one game that they played versus Fnatic where Haru actually dove top on repeat for Alfari? Alfari just snowballed the whole fucking game, just yeah. won 1v9. It was just like, all right, now the game's fucking over. Do that some other times. Like, it's viable to do it mid. Or, like, you're going to have to get other people involved. Tell your fucking support. Hey, that motherfucker is an inter bot lane. Come with me. We are diving top lane. We're winning the game right here. Like, they got to do something together. And just watching them, it's just like... You guys don't even know each other exist. You know, it's like everyone's just laning in there. It's like old school League of Legends where people didn't know that you could have multiple members of yeah, the top lane, you know? That's True. how that's how it looks. It was like playing in my day where it's like, wait, the support can fucking move? What the fuck? I remember when we figured out in season five that support could just group with jungle and ward all over the map. It was revolutionary. We we saw like Chinese teams and Korean teams do it. Worlds were like, wait, you can group your support in your jungle, you can just maintain vision controllers too. How fucking OP is it? Wait, the support has CC and the jungler is damaged, you could kill the other guy. It looks like they don't even know that now, and it's season twelve. So I don't know what the fuck is is, is going on with them. It, it just feels like they will never be good at it because they don't have any player that instinctually understands it, and that's why the whole time everyone's been talking about Bo because Bo looks like he'll at least just play the fucking game well enough. He has enough instincts for the game that it doesn't even matter what the rest of the team is is fucking doing. Like you'll just you'll be drawn to that level of just like fighting. You know, you see have somebody fighting, that's game? really easy. Have you watched this game? Because I, I've seen a clip of I, you I, on on YouTube where you were speaking about him, but I don't know if you yeah. were into like deep dive into his game. Like, is it is it that crazy? Him on FPX back in the day, yes. yeah, yeah. So I uh, so I mean I, I watched uh, all of his games live uh, when he was with FPX. So I saw all of his competitive games and I track him on solo queue. I released a solo queue vod review of his videos. I, I looked at. I've probably watched over 10 of his solo queue games, just like the really absurd ones. I've never seen anything like this. Like, this is just, it's just fucking crazy. And, you know, it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, he's only played solo queue. Let's see if he can back it up. No, he made fucking pro, like the top level LPL junglers look fucking bad. Like, he destroyed Karsa. Like, Karsa is one of the best jugglers in LPL for a while now. I'm fine. And, and yeah, he I'm just fine. fucking stunned him. Like, it was just brutal, man. Like, he made that guy his bitch. So, 
I, I, I'm really high on this guy. Like, I've never okay. seen anything. Like, if you look at his solo queue account, like, number one, he's been there for, like, two weeks or, like, three weeks now at this point. Yeah, I saw, I saw the record, like, the, uh, what to say, uh, OPGG art. Yeah, the, yeah, OP, OP.GG art. That's what people call it. He's an OP.GG artist because you look at it, it's fucking beautiful. Right. Everything is blue everywhere. All the kills. You see games that you just don't see other pro players have. Like, he's ranked 15 in Challenger. Drops a 27 kill Wukong game in 22 minutes with 55,000 damage on Wukong. It's like, what the fuck? Like, how is that even possible? You know, so that's another uh, that's another story. I just want to see that guy play because I feel like it's the only way that Vitality has any type of life in them. Because at least then they're, they're going to have a player where it's like, oh, this guy is fighting, bro. Like, he's going to int if you don't come to him in situations. If you're not matching pressure, he's probably going to gonna gonna run it down. But, like, you have a source to fight around. Like, you have a pressure point in the game. And Haru, man, he just does not cut it for me. When I watch Haru play, it just looks like he plays to not look bad. He's just one of those players that wants to end the game with like a good amount of gold, a good KDA, not be behind the enemy jungler and be like, nice. Look, it wasn't my fault. Like that's that's the type of game he wants to play. Not the I'm going to do whatever it takes to win this game. He doesn't have that instinct. I would like to add something on Vitality because I feel like they have been, I mean, the organization has been wrong in the time they wanted to invest. Um, let me clear that. It's just, I feel like they wanted to go, usually I like when teams go with some rookies and then they try to build out of like the one that work. It's a, it's a pretty good strategy because you have a low payroll and then you can inje inject like money into your roster knowing that the cheap pieces are going to be good, right? This is usually the best way to actually build a team. And so the problem with Vitality is, so they started doing this strategy in 2020. And as far as I remember, because I was doing this this up season, most of the contract were locked. So, and there was not as many, it was not the year of the, like, I would say golden generation of, of EU rookies. It was just before that, right? Like EU mid laners that were like, part of were like Eka, Milica, you had probably like one or two Magic Felix and stuff like this. But, and then the year after, so you had Nemesis that was playing, I think that, uh, but the year after you had Larson, Viteo, uh, Humanoid, and all these these guys arrived in 2020. Emmanuel was playing that year, but Emmanuel was already locked. So it was very hard for Vitality to actually elaborate a roster out of like rough diamonds and keep them. And so they tried to do that despite the market being pretty dry. And after a year and a half of failing, they actually ditched pretty much the whole team and went, okay, we're going to go bro. like super. Yeah, we're going to go aside from LeBrof and we're going to like spend a humongous amount of money. The problem is, I think that when they spend the money, the market for very high players is like not you're not importing Chovy, right? You're getting back Pearls. That's like at the point of his career where like okay, he's probably like the most valuable player in in the West of all time. I'm not arguing with that. But coming back from a year with London where he hasn't been like as dominant as you would expect him to be, and you're going to with self-made, and you're going with Alfari. It's just a lot of big names, and I feel like there was no idea behind the team, and I feel like they should have done the other way, which is go ham on the market in 2020 because there was a lot of very good players that were very expensive and keep them for long enough and then invest in the rookies this year like a Tukui that's performing very well in FlyQuest or other ones that are actually very good like Ragnar, Yike uh, that are performing right now in the NFL and I feel like Vitality has done the whole problem of building a team upside down and now they are like left with pretty much nothing because at the end of the year who, do, who are they going to keep like Bo and like Perks Alfari, maybe? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, who knows? Like, they probably will keep... Uh, they'll probably just stay stay with LeBron until the end of his life. Like, I would assume he's going to be an 80-year-old man still playing. He'll still be rank one in solo queue. They'll still be fifth and sixth place, and they'll be like, oh, the next year is the year. So 
They'll probably keep him, but I, I assume that they'll probably make an AD change at least. I want to get your take on something, Zavatine. There's actually a, a topic. It's actually just the topic of how Perks has played in this Vitality squad. This split that causes, for some reason, a, a, an enormous divide. I've almost never seen as ridiculous a divide as this. Basically, loads of fans still think Perks is shit now, mate. They flame him now whenever Vitality loses. Whereas whenever I watch him play this split, dude, he's good most of these games. He just doesn't have a chance to win because the team's just fucking garbage and half the players in the game away and do nothing like obviously the games they win like that Talia game versus Misfits he's just fucking shitting on them like that was like what you got to complain about that but I think even most of the losses he looked good so where are you coming down on this Sabatina is there a reason you think maybe like is there something he's not able to do in the team that's costing them is he actually good where are you coming down on perks now not past perks and obviously we don't yeah. want to ride on the on the bandwagon of what he did in G2 and stuff. So what about this this perk? So was this perk? I think this bit is better. I actually think that he's, he's, he's better. I, I didn't really like the way he was playing in spring. Uh, I didn't feel like he was... He was, not, he was never terrible. Uh, but I would say that laning phase is very important as a mid laner because it gives prio uh, and early prio gives you vision, so side, side wave control, objectives. It's, it's an extremely important thing because once you're on the side, you can just farm, right? You can just farm, rotate, and then you have your teamfight skills. But the, the, the early, two, I would say 12 to, to, to 15 to 20 waves of the game matters drastically. And I feel like laning-wise, at least in Spring Speed, it was not that great. I feel like it has improved a little bit because obviously staying in EU makes you a, a, a better player. Uh, I feel like he has the knowledge, but he's not for me the top among the top player best mid laners. Sorry, top mid laners in the league in, when it comes to laning, which for me is crucial in L in LEC. If you want to be a good team, you need to have a strong two v two mid jungle and. To set up your wave to be able to have a jungle impacting your lane, you need to be very intelligent and you need to be you need to be very aggressive. That's what Niski is. Niski is a very aggressive player. He contests a lot of minions. He doesn't let you get things for free. And he's, if he knows that the jungle is coming, he's making very making it very spicy trading. And doesn't hesitate to like defend a freeze for like 10, 15 seconds. Like, okay, just come at me. Like my jungle is gonna come and we're gonna win this 2v2. I feel like Perks plays much more like let's farm. And then I'll show my skills later. But I, he doesn't have this like edge that I saw him having in the past. Uh, pro probably because like there is a lot of great laners now in LEC. That's that's my take on it. But he doesn't play bad. I wouldn't say he's playing yeah. bad. He's playing bad. My personal take is that's because his jungler fucking sucks. This split like it's because he has Haro as a jungler. Whereas like, I mean, like Selfmade was good, but Selfmade's strength has never been like playing around like you know other players. It's always been playing around himself. Um, and even when he played like the dog junglers or whatever, for some reason, it somehow always, always went bad. I mean, he would have like games where he would play well and then suddenly they would lose a fight here or he would group with LeBrov and then like LeBrov would randomly die or something would happen. Like it would just always somehow went bad. But when I've been watching him with Haru, it's like, I feel like you can't trade like that when you know your jungler is AFK farming. Like you have to be completely self-sufficient. You have to play as if you don't have a jungler, which means you can't make the lane volatile. Like in a lot yes. of these games, you just simply can't yep. do that or you're just going to end up inting. Like, I mean, I mean, he probably could do that. And we've saw uh, like games where he's lane gapped good players in, in spring split, but it's never been the solution to Vitality's problem. I think the problem with Vitality is, I mean, Alfari and Perks both have relatively good lane phase, in my opinion. My biggest issue is just like we said earlier, there's no cohesion. So you can't make anything like if he does win a lane, it doesn't look like he won the lane. It's like, oh, he's got a 10 CS lead. He wins lane by 10 CS and then they just like get a recall off. They get a free base and suddenly the whole game's like fucked off something else. But isn't it a problem then? Because I feel like when you're paying for perks, you're paying for the discoherence as well, right? It's like it, it should be it should be like 
helping assembling the team should be the main shot caller of the team i mean maybe i'm wrong right maybe Perks has never been that player and i was wrong the whole time but i always felt that like Perks was like the most impactful uh i would say locker room player uh, in the west ever and was able to actually create this type yeah. of synergy so probably it's, yeah. probably it's wrong right maybe i'm wrong but i want to know like what's your what's your take on it it's like okay he's not able to do it it's it's a fiasco it's a uh, it's a clown fiesta around him so uh, it seems Vitality is probably paying a huge amount of money to get a player that's like pretty good in yeah. lane. What's what's missing then? Like, here's what I can't handle. I'm so tired of people in League of Legends doing this. They always claim it's me that does the fucking straw man. It's everyone straw man's me constantly. I'm in the fucking Wicker Man movie now. So I'm like, what the fuck? I thought it was a police officer investigating a crime. Like, because here's what I don't get, Zabatine. So essentially, the premise goes: if Perks is such a great shot caller, then how's the team so shit? Think about the team, mate. So you've got Alfari, who famously has only ever lamed his entire life and thinks we're on twisted tree line right now. Doesn't even know this a fucking five v five map. So. Well, already that'd be a miracle if that guy was a major group and already then you've got a jungler who's fucking Koreans doing nothing right now it's fucking terrible anyway they already fired the last jungler by the way Labrov we just discussed does nothing and doesn't seem to understand how supports move on the map and Kazi just fucking dies like all I'll say is this Sabatine I'll flip it back on you mate isn't he just a mid laner and a shot caller not a miracle worker like fucking hell mate like Pete you guys are making it sound like he's like fucking Yu-Gi-Oh and they're all the cards he's using like they're actual humans <laughs> who have to play the game with him you know yeah, like that's true that's true you're right you're right like it's exactly say the same thing Dom did there's the difference right if you're talking about how he plays mid lane, every other mid laner we're going to compare him to as a banger jungler, they have like El Yoya, Yankos, fucking Malrang. Like he he go, he looks up. He's got Haru, like homie. What is he going to do? Well, I, this, mean, I feel like these are the old discussions back in the day. Yeah. People were telling me Expecte is better than Froggen because Froggen doesn't roam when Froggen has washed up Snoopy and Expecte had like fucking cyanide, like probably one of the best like cover junglers of all time. Like give me a break. You can only play with what you've got, haven't you? Yeah. Like, you know, you'd be a well, fool to play that way if you had a bad player with your teammate you know so i mean this is why i don't fuck with what you said at all because you're you're saying oh well maybe i was wrong all these years and he wasn't actually a good shot caller to me that's not fucking shot calling like to me like i think that 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 what he does is actually good within the lane and he'll provide the information that you need to make the play but i never thought he was the the actual like season three version of a shot caller where he was actually micromanaging his teammates where it's like you need to do like x camp and come here and we can pressure him like i think that he's the type of player that will be like this guy's chunked. This guy's low. We could pressure him on this wave. And then you have to know what the fuck that means. Pressure him on this wave. That means I need to skip this camp. I have to like go there right now. You have to look yourself and you have to make your own correct decision based on what happened. When he was when he was playing with Yankos in, in 2020 spring, the, the last time he was like on a dominant team as a mid laner in Europe. Look, look at how they played. They? Yeah, they looked Look at how they played. Like Yankos just, yeah. and, and obviously Yankos is a smart fucking player, but I never thought that he was the type of player that he was like micromanaging Yankos. Like, you need to come right now on this wave and do this, this, and this. Like, I never thought that that was the dynamic. I thought that Yankos is a good fucking player that has the natural instincts of what you should be doing in a game. And if Perks gave him that information that he needed and told him like the status of his lane, Yankos could make the good decision out of that information. But yeah, I mean, like when your whole team is, is, is failing and you can see multiple games for Vitality, where they try to take a 2v2 and then suddenly the support's there. And it's like, I don't think that he was such a good league player where he was he was mindful of everything at the same time. I think his teammates also helped him feed him the information that he needed in order to play really well in those types of situations. So like so like when he was playing with Mickey X, for example, Mickey X was calling like, hey, the jungle, like you can't make this play. The support is moving. Like he expects his teammates to have some level of understanding their role that's going to filter in to how he's playing. And like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if you took a lot of players out of a working environment and they put them on vitality, they would look equally shit.
Like, I mean, I wouldn't like, obviously caps has looked pretty fucking good in spring summer. The whole team's been a little bit messy, but I think if you put caps on vitality and you're like, all right, good luck. I don't think vitality suddenly go, go on further. Team. Here's the obvious one's Abertine. If I take your boy Niski and drop him in vitality, are they winning all the games? They're doing nothing. He'd look fucking shit. Like, I, I think he's actually one player who would have a chance, but even he, I don't think, could make this team work, mate. Oh, I think yeah. it's I a mean, fucking flawed yeah, project. I, I, don't, I, don't one thing. I will say this. There's one area I do blame Perks for on this team, which is I I suspect he got to pick a lot of these teammates. I'll blame him for that, if that's true. If he picked these guys, if he said, give me Garzi and Labrador, yeah, then he deserves some, some blame. But, like, for his play, I don't think he's that bad. What's your take, though? Like, look, I, I get the vibe, baby. You think we've gone too far the other way, and you weren't saying as strong as what we said, right? I mean, it's... it's... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 okay. I mean, I I like Perks a lot as a player, so I'm I just I just want to see. I don't know. Since he came back mid, I feel like the, since the last uh, G two Spring Split when he was playing mid, I haven't seen him in a system where I've seen I've seen like what Perks is good at, which is playing on side and making his team rotate to him and actually like make this genius play that I feel like he's the only with one you on that, but here's the thing I would agree with I, well, I would essentially agree I don't think he can ever get activated for his actual strengths like I think a lot of the genius moves he makes there's no room to make that move you're never even fucking ahead if you're Vitality you never in a situation to make you know what I mean I, I don't think he can do what he should do I mean I would just I would ask who's actually playing like that now in 2022 like I mean that was a completely different game like I mean 20, like 2020 obviously G2 is just still T G2 they were just the best team by far. So yeah, they, yeah. like, even though like they would in games, whatever, I mean, they didn't even look that good before they went on that playoff run. A lot of people expected uh fanatic to actually win that. But in 2022, it just feels like the game doesn't work like that anymore. Like but when you were able to make those genius side lane plays, you could give up a lot more objectives. Now you give up three drakes, the game's fucking over. So I just feel like the, this, the game is different inherently. So you just have to adapt to the game, which I don't even think that he's done poorly. But I agree with Thornton. Like, yeah, I, I assume that the main two players that he picked were the two players that were not already on Vitality, right? So I think that he was, like, fine with Selfmade and LeBrov. But the two picks that he had, he obviously was, like, really high on cars. You'd see them interacting all the time on Twitter. They were clearly oh, yeah, friends. Yeah, like pals, yeah. Mm. And then Alfari is the one that they that was distinctly leaked by the people that, yes. you know, first uh, talked about the roster move, that they wanted to play together. So... He did pick Alfari and Karzi, which I do like have to give him blame on. I just think that that the idea that he's supposed to be this like that he was something bad before, or maybe this exposes his prior career. I think that that's no, bullshit. no, 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 like, no. I, it was it was rhetorical, man. Like I'm not I'm not questioning everything into his career. Like it's uh, this is this is annoying. Well, yeah, 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 no, being a French more. dude, doing doing being a French dude, and like and and not like it's not my mother tongue, and having things sometimes people misinterpret what I'm saying because of the tone. I'm not questioning what he was doing in the past at all. Like I'm saying. It was just a, I mean, whatever. It's no, I get it. Here's the thing. What you were, what, what Zamati was trying to do was more like a food for thought. Like, look, here's a scenario I've presented. What do you think of that? Whereas I think we took it as like, how can he be any good if he's fucking like? Yeah, we took it more I as mean, like, I'm not a really that great guy, right? I, 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 no, it's I, all good. It's all good. Worked. Okay, let's move on. Listen, it is okay. Yeah. We are going to fucking just chill, man. It's fucking, <laughs> you know, what you can do I it tell so you? well. It's okay. All the time, all the time, fucking Alice. Right, right. Let's fucking go anyway. Now, as you can tell, this is a pretty XL episode by the length of it and all the conversation we had with Zabatine. Don't worry, though. We get to the actual XL team later on. But for now, I obviously want to tell you about eSports Bet. Now, obviously, as you can see on the screen here, they have loads of the leagues. They have all the CB LOL in Brazil. They have the ERLs. They have LCS in North America. They have LCK. So if you want to know about uh, Korean League of Legends on this channel, you can go and watch the Monty and Wolf show where they talk about LCK every single week. Obviously, we care about the LEC here on the Best Damn League.
week show and this week look as usual there's always some pretty spicy upset potential in the LEC there's actually quite a lot of good teams at this point in time like for example Misfits were big odds here against Rogue like Misfits has caught some odd throws I've seen some dodgy moments occasionally from the guys from Rogue but if you go down how many times am I going to see one of these matchups I told people like on Competitive Edge the League of Legends one the amount of times people are going to overrate the Fanatics and the vitalities of the world because of the name value but they're going to underrate XL because of the name value of them not as big names haven't done much in the playoffs the idea XL's an underdog against Vitality I think is crazy because Team Vitality has non-existent 2v2 jungle mid synergy we'd obviously discussed that on this episode how important that is in LEC as Zabatine tells you meanwhile XL has one of the better ones they have Markoon and Nukeduck Nukeduck basically shaped Markoon as far as I can tell and now the meta's just hitting Nukeduck in the face and everything's looking great so I'm taking XL they're a 1.912 I've had loads of times I've been able to get XL as actually like the betting underdog when I think they're the favourite in the game Vitality's 1.861 not the Labrov Haru and Kazi I'm watching player I'm taking XL to win this all day long I think the meta's great for them right now in fact I'm going to go big on this one I'm going to go the max I do what normally do a thousand max you know what actually since they're an underdog I'm going to say 1,500 we're going big boy on this one I really think that it's actually a mega pick for the guys from XL I think they get in this one I don't believe in Vitality definitely don't at this point in this split and the idea that like look they can win BO1s but I love these odds now let's get back to the show so the other team to talk about now is the most boring team of all time, a.k.a. my favourite team, Rogue. Let's just talk a bit about Rogue. Because as I said, first of all, right, I'll tell you one thing that's classic about Rogue. One thing I love about them, Dom, is it doesn't matter who's in the team. On some level, they do actually keep the same, like, psychological profile as a team. Because this week, I could actually, I wish I'd done a video, because I could absolutely have told you purely narratively exactly what the outcome was going to be this week. And it was exactly what happened. They would have a banger game against Fnatic that Rogue would win, making you think, fuck, maybe they are going to win LEC. And then they'd have the game against G2. And just because it, the letters G2 are on the screen, no one in Rogue can ever win a game. We all know that. We've all been watching their whole career. Yeah. Like, this is like the classic fucking Rogue, like the, the tease and then the fucking dick punch. Like, like they, they, the, the stupid thing is they, they, they do have brief, brief moments where I actually think like, like, for example, I think they've hit the meta pretty well right now. They look like they could draft pretty well. The players all look like they're peaking. But at the same time, like the problem I have with them as a team is this when they win it's like it like it can look good or it can look like slightly ahead but they don't look like the best team in lec but when they lose they also just look like fuck and they're the third best team again <laughs> you know what i mean i mean <laughs> it, is, it is what it is like i mean rogue it's like you see the like the slightest amount of pressure come their way it's like okay you're like the first c team and you're kind of expected to be g2 right now because g2 has been struggling how's it gonna look yeah, yeah. then you just have that game where it's like yeah i mean whatever man L literally i even though like I can see that they do a lot of things well, their whole problem has always been mental to me, which is like, I don't even know how you analyze something mental. Like if you're just watching oh, from the oh, outside, exactly. like I can tell you what they're doing. That's well, but like, am I not allowed because I'm on the outside? I'm an analyst to just like question their ability to do it in a pressure situation. That's like the gray area for me, because most of the time I'm talking about what teams are doing in games, their styles, how they like to play, what their drafts normally entail and how they can beat an enemy based on, you know, countering their their picks and bans and then drafting things that are good within their own system when i look at rogue i never feel like that's the problem but until i see them actually like overcome this hurdle and they start and they win a championship i don't know how i'm ever going to give them credit for playing well because i mean yeah it's the g2 thing was just a microcosm of how they've always been I'm sure you can always say like oh well it's just a one-off game because they played sejuani but for me it's like why does the one-off game have to come against g2 you know yeah, oh that's convenient isn't it? yeah exactly what do you think yeah. is our team 
I mean, I feel like they were a little bit more exciting than they used to be in week three and week four. Uh, Silas from Larson and stuff like this. I've seen a few things that actually made me a little bit more excited than usually for Rogue. Um, what worries me for Rogue is I feel like the in the bad games, it's kind of the same players making the same mistakes. Like you you see patterns in, in the type of mistakes that Rogue makes, right? It's like like not exploding like their lead in mid game and doing nothing and then trying your Baron out of despair and like, like not getting anything, kind of losing hope and then just not being able to finish the game or getting picked quite a lot because I don't know, communication is not great or people don't know exactly like where the enemy can be. And this is like a consistent thing that I've been seeing them doing, whether it was with Hansama, whether it's with Comp, whether it's uh, with um, Inspired or with Mattering. There is still this consistent uh, pattern of mistakes that Rogue is making. I, I would agree that it's metal, but I... I feel like um, you you can they need to win once, right? Some some blocks like I remember Vianco as being a, like he was known as someone who chokes a lot, right? I remember this game when he, I think he got outsmited when he was playing Nunu in a playoff as as in H two K. It's a pretty old game, and it was the first game of the series. And he got smited at Baron, and then the whole series like completely shut down. Like in France, we have a team that actually has a jungle that does exactly the same thing. It's Vitality B. Like Skins is a great jungle, but one bad game happens and one terrible play happens, and his performance drastically drops for the rest of the of the of the series. And they usually lose to Carmen, which which is the favorite, even if they are like way ahead. And I feel like they just need to win once, like a series, a reference series, whether it's against Mad Lions that they lost against like back to back last year, or G two. And I think it's gonna like unlock them to actually play probably more free because when they do play against a lower level team there is like this is probably the safest bet you can you can you can have oh, you have yeah, rogue against you have yeah. rogue against misfits rogue against bds rogue against astralis rogue against against astralis when they were 9-0 oh wait never mind they lost astralis when they were 9-0 and they went 9-1 so yeah, I mean, okay. It's exceptional <laughs> rogue rule. Yeah, it's I feel like I feel like Not for me that's, what you're saying that that's the, that's the team that's gonna always storm the lower level teams because they know how they want to play and they're just gonna win team fights because they're just better at the game individually. But against better teams, when they have pressure and they have small windows to make decisions, I feel like there is the 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 the, the, the energy like the energy is not there. And I don't know if it's Odo. I don't know if it's Larsen because they are the two I would say in Trimby. They are the two major points of this team. But there is something missing, and it's very it's very apparent. It's, it becomes more and more apparent that. Something's gonna miss to Rogue to become a, a super team in the ADC for the future. The problem I have is I actually do think Trimby is a player who is who some of this blame has to fall on. Like when I've watched him play, for me he's like what like if I'm sure you know the English term like barometer. Like he's basically he tells me how good Rogue is. Like when he's smurfing, they look fucking mega. But like I'll give you an example. Even in the game they won this weekend against Fnatic, dude, what the fuck was that at like level one? Do you know what I'm referring here, Dom? Where the fucking Rogue bot lane walks down the river instead of coming through like under their tower, they walk down the river and Hillasang and fucking upset decide to just make a play and go up into that brush and they're just waiting for them and so at the beginning of the game before they've even walked into lane they end up having to trade something like three summoners for one summoner from Hillasang like we haven't even started the game there's not even a minion to be hit and you've lost three summoners just to get into lane and why is that because you've just decided randomly for no reason I'm just going to walk down into my lane instead of into my lane like, like stuff like that's like that's like an exact like to me dude Davitin, the way I read that is that's just a brain fart that's like you're playing against 
in, in this big pressure match, and then what you've done is you've just gone on autopilot, like, oh, whatever, we're, we can just walk down here, can't yeah, we? Probably. And then what Hillisang's done is he's gone like, I've played these motherfuckers a million times. If you fuck with them and you put them under pressure, they crack a bit, so he's gone for the play. It's fucking Hillisang you played as well. That's the other thing about that. What killed me about that move was this. I'd do that move against a boring team. I'm not doing that against fucking Hillisang. He's, he's the master of trying to fuck with me in like the first three levels. That's his whole game, isn't it? Like, so like, even though they won that game, that just shows like the little cracks of like, they just leave openings that are just sloppy. Like, what's the point of that? I don't believe they would ever do that in a normal game, yeah. dude. They would just normally go to lane. Come on. I mean, I give them, I, I give them credit there because that was that was the the quirky game, right? Where the, where humanoid was just randomly bot lane. So, well, it's true. There was a three v two, but even so, what's so, like? What so, do you gain from walking into the lane like that? I, I think they just think they straight up win because they have heal versus cleanse. So they're like, oh, we just win this two v two, and like they don't think that humanoid could potentially be there. Okay. So I don't I don't hate that one as much because I I think that there is like a logic behind it. I mean, it's just simply we have heal, they have cleanse. We should probably just win at level one when most of the damage is coming through auto attack. So I give them a pass there. But I mean, I still like I still see what you're talking about. I mean, the game that I think about when I when I think about that type of like uh, like choking playstyle is the the other game they played against Humanoid, where Humanoid play or sorry, uh, Hillisong, where Hillisong played Pike in playoffs, oh, like the, yes. that game one where they were playing Lulu, and yeah. then Hillisong just railed them level one. Where it's like, man, how does there's oh, no, like, dude, maybe Pike is the most broken champion in the game or some shit, and I just don't know it. But how does every Eddie carry that ever plays against a Pike lane? of Hillisongs get hooked like three times in the first level. Like, how is that even possible? How do you get hooked three times level one? Like when I see that, I'm like, damn, Hilly should just play blitz every game because if you hook them three times level one, those are kills on other exactly. champions. So, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. So I definitely like, I've seen that tendency in, in their play where they just like, anytime they play against somebody, it's like, it's almost like they tell themselves like, these guys are good, but don't overthink it. Don't get too confident now. Like, like you, got, you can't give them too much respect. And then they just play like borderline brain dead where they're like, no, we got, he's into So like, we're going to call him on his ins. It's like, wait, that's just like, that's just not even a winning fight for you though. Yep. Sure. I mean, By the way, all... there are some, there are a lot of good things we could also talk about. Like, I'll give you an example. One thing that is like a massive positive, I think is mate. Malrang looked fucking banging on that poppy. That looks really good. That champion looks like he really fits in, mate. Similarly, fucking Odoan there, you can now add him to that list. Look, at the beginning of the split, you definitely could not add him to the fucking gangplank list. He can go on the gangplank list now. That was good. He actually was able to hit the fucking barrels. Well played. So there are some positives in this team. Also, by the way, if you have fucking Larson, it's not bad to just back into a fucking Azir meta. He's basically probably the best Azir in EU. Like... It's going to be easy playing that. And also, look at all the people who were just fucking up all the corky games. Good luck playing the other side of that match. It hasn't been great recently. So, like, I think actually in general, like, there's a lot to like about the team. It's just like I say, that's why to me, a lot of it has to go to, like, pressure or, like, intangibles. Because that's basically, I, I really do feel like Zavatine. You'd have, if you could, like, brainwash this team and they couldn't see the nameplates, I don't think they would play this way. I think they would play actually better. Like, part of what you're saying there, like, I agree, they're just guaranteed to beat the low-level teams. It's because in those games, it looks like they don't ever think, like, oh, we could lose. They just execute what you're supposed to do and they're a good team. So the real problem here is, like Dom says, because the one thing they've never done is properly get it done and win the championships. Until they get to that point, I think everyone's just going to be like, who cares until they prove that, right? Until they get to that moment in the playoffs and they win they can win as many bo1s as they want no one's going to believe in them it feels like yeah i mean yeah i feel like as you said like i think poppy was malrong's signature champ in spring i think it was the first one to really? actually uh, okay. bring it from bring, bring it from asia um but 
I, I mean, I'm excited to watch Rogue play most of the time. Like, when they don't have these boring games where the players here and they just, like, wait for the opponent, like, to BDS to shoot themselves in the feet and just beat them. It's pretty entertaining to watch. I just I just would like to see the, the, the full power Rogue, like a, a Rogue that's, like, a little bit more ambitious at, like, beating the top teams. Because I think that on the paper, if you take these players and you just align them against uh, G2, uh, I think that they, are, they have a very also, good right? shot at being better, right? Yeah. Like, this is, this is not, right. like... Uh, 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 same thing with Mad Lions. And I liked... I really enjoy... Why, why is LPL so entertaining at the moment? It's because you have different teams that are very good at the game, but they play a very different manner. Yes. You can't Perfect. say every team is playing the same way. Like, that's what bores me with Korea, for instance, at the moment. Exactly. Is, I would say T1 has a, sometimes a little bit of a twist because they have players that can play, like, pretty weird champions. But aside from this... Small quirks, every Korean team is trying to play the Korean meta, right? So it's terribly boring. If LEC can inspire itself from LPL and get more of a, okay, a Rogue is going to be more a slow-paced team, but they're going to be very hard to beat and they make no mistake. And it's going to be very interesting to actually win the fights. But Madeline is going to try to pressure them in the first 20 minutes. The problem we have is like whenever Rogue plays against a top team, you feel like, oh, they're not Rogue anymore. The only team that actually plays the same playstyle, no matter which, which the opponent is, is actually Mad Lions. This, this is what we mentioned it at the beginning of the of the of the show. All the other teams feel like Excel seems to choke against like top teams as well a little bit. Uh, Rogue is the same thing, and then you have Misfits that actually wins against the top team but loses to anyone else in the middle of the pack. So it, it creates very poor narrative, I think, for the viewers. Perfect. That was actually that's that's the most key part about about L LPL that I've ever heard. That's that's the main thing that I that I always try to stress to my viewers, and that's that is why LPL is the most interesting region to watch because you have teams like OMG where you just know who the fuck they are. Like you see them and it's like, all right, so you get a ban like. Are you going to ban Samira against this team? Because if they get Samira, they're going to do whatever the fuck they want. Like, they're going to play their Shivana, Silas, whatever. You know what? I, I I completely agree, and I take back everything bad I ever said about you and uh, French bias. So, there we are. <laughs> Easy losses. We, we take it all back. You know, Same you weren't French bias. Immortals just sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the fact that everyone was French on that team. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Yeah. See? I mean, it's yeah. It's I can score. What's the next team we need to talk shit about? Let me think. <laughs> we should definitely talk about Fnatic, obviously. Like that's that's it wide open right there. So I have to say, by the way, right, it's, this is what's funny, right? Even though the take on Rogue, as you've just heard, is a quite a consistent one. It's like, who really cares if they look good now? Unless they prove it in the playoffs, no one's really going to believe them. Everyone's waiting for the chalk, right? The problem is there was a similar narrative with Fnatic, but I actually think now that narrative has actually run its course. I don't think we can keep pushing anymore. The narrative went like this, Zabatine. Because on paper, this is such a fantastic set of players. Like, these are amazing individual players. I think all of them, in theory. They all, in theory, even the right team might even work and be really the best at their role, blah, blah, blah. Even now, they still trip over and win games. So everyone wants to believe, essentially, the super team fallacy of like, but if they all got it together, imagine how sick they'd be. But mate, I've seen too much now. I've seen a split and a half. Like, they're not getting it together. Like, the joke is, when it's been this long, this actually suggests they're never going to get it together. Like, I actually think this team's just busted, mate. Like, I, like the whole Razork humanoid experiment is over for me. Where are you on this, Sabatine? Because if we're talking about the idea of, like, jungle mid, synergy, 2v2, this got to be, even though on paper it's good, in the practice, is it? It's horrible to be too, isn't it? I am terribly disappointed by the Fnatic project. I am terribly disappointed because when the season started, it was the team that I was the most excited about. Not only because sure, they was yeah. they were great players, right? But it was on. I felt like it was a possibly a versatile 
team, a team that could play throughout the year and be dominant throughout the year. Because it's very hard in League of Legends to go through different patches and keep like being that good. Oh. And I was like, oh, they have Wunder that can play pretty much like, I don't know, 120 champions in top lane uh, because he picks up champion very fast. You have probably the best mid laner in LEC, potentially, he used to be. Uh, you had Razok that to me was the best jungler uh, in Summer Split last year with uh, oh. Inspired. And you have the best bot lane in EU, right? So it should be perfect. And and I don't know. I it's I don't know where to start. It's like whose fault it is. I don't know. I feel like Humanoid is not playing well. I think Razor seems completely lost and broken. Like he doesn't know what he needs to do. Uh, I don't think that in a team like this, Wunder is gonna be like extremely motivated to you know like grind twenty games on solo queue and be like on the edge of the meta. Uh, I feel like. Wunder is a is going to be driven by his team environment and his ups, up, upside. Like if he's able to win and go to Worlds and probably like go to semifinals of Worlds, I think he's going to be hella driven. But if he knows that his team is like middle of the pack and is not going to go like above, probably just being group stage at Worlds and just getting eliminated, I don't think that he has a drive to just show at Worlds and leave. You know, so. This plus the upset Hilly song, which to me is just a question mark. It's not my favorite. It has never been the fav my favorite duo lane in LEC, but I feel like it's broken. Like the level they had in Spring Speed doesn't show anymore. Hilly song seems completely lost. So I feel like they have two very good, like they have a great support and a great jungle that are super good at creating opportunities for carries. They have three good carries. But somehow they just broke it. Like I feel like they did to Razor what TSM did to their jungle. <laughs> like that's that's the level of broken I see Razor because this guy was brilliant. Like if you think about Misfits last year, the, like every single game of Misfits in Summer Split 2021 started with Razor King. Like Vitio yep. was farming, here it was farming, and he was looking for just a crazy opportunity, just ignoring a camp, trying to dodge a ward, good give a good gank, burn a flash, do something. I see him this year is broken, nothing. Yep. So I don't know. I really don't know. I'm so disappointed by the by the project as a whole. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know either, but I have a theory on on how it is where like a lot of junglers you'll actually see this tendency where when they have complete freedom and they can just play the game the way that they want to play it, they play really well. But as soon as you start giving them information like, oh, we need to play around bot side this game and like we want to make sure that we like do like you put all these different things into their game of things that they need to accomplish and they're very defined. It it takes away their ability to be a real jungler, which part of being a real jungler is being opportunistic, being able to throw away the game plan and just be like, these are the kills that are, that are available right now. And you can have in your mind, like in general, we want to play around bot side. Like, yes, like I don't want to be ganking for our fucking tank top laner and have our bot lane die on the same time and then just be trading like a really strong AD carry for a really strong tank. Like, sure, you don't want that to be the key, but you need to be able to have the, the liberty within your team to to and the confidence from your teammates to do what you think is right in the moment. And when I look at Razorg play, I feel like he's just trying to do the right thing, but he doesn't really know what the right thing is, but he like, He's like listening to what other people say the right thing is. And then he's trying to execute that instead of actually really just playing the fucking game. Because when you see this guy like actually play like solo queue and shit, he knows what the fuck he wants to do. I just don't want to see him try to like cosplay some other jungler. Like, dude, if if you don't come around mid, you know, one time and humanoid dies, like, fuck it, dude. Just get your like play your own game. Stop trying to like serve the rest of your team. Like, just do what you're good at. And then I think the other problem with with um, Fnatic is stylistically when you look at them. They're supposed to be a bot side team. That has always been the dynamic of, of Fnatic. Like, you know, Wonder was somebody who could always play weak side top lane um, really well. And, you know, 
when you have upset and hilly, generally that's the lane that you want to play through. If you have a really strong bot lane, you know, I think of them kind of as like EDG where you have like the Viper Mako bot lane in 2021, where they were able to like play through them. Like we've got really good laners. We take the fact that they're going to outlane the opponent, turn that into dives and, you know, have some type of synergy like that. And when the team actually did look the best, it was when they were playing like TF in spring um, in regular season with Razor, and they were actually able to capitalize and dive bot. Um, but I feel like Razork, when he, as a player, was at his best, he was playing around here. He was playing with Misfits around diving top lane and, and, and being able to play around solo. So he's somebody who naturally wants to play around top. So now he's trying to play around bot, but the angles bot are a lot different. It's not as much about ganking bot. Ganking bot is not much as much a thing. It's more about diving bot, like bringing your mid laner diving bot on timings or like stacking a wave into diving um, the lane. Whereas like in a top lane, you're just way more vulnerable to just getting two man just killed in the lane. You've just more resources to, to generally kill. So I think that that's something that he he's struggling with inherently. And then over time, it just feels like the, the multiple failings of the team has just made everyone lose confidence in one, one another. So they have this pressure that they feel like they should be a super team and they don't want to like be the one that's dragging the super team down. But at the same time, like they don't actually believe that any of their teammates are super. They're just like, man, this humanoid guy dies a lot. I'm like is Gale force on Corky actually good here? Like, should you be building Gale force or should you be going like Ludens like everyone else? I mean, who knows? Corky got changed. Okay. We'll trust you, man. But no one wants to be like the one that's like, that shit is dog shit, bro. Like, why did you build that shit? Like, don't build that. Build the real fucking items. Like, no one wants to criticize each other and really go hard on, like, the elite players. Because there's normally this type of uh, divide within a team where you have the, the player like Humanoid who comes in and he's the guy that's won all the championships recently. He's the guy that beat everyone else. So everyone's kind of looking up to him and trying to learn from him. And when you even hear about Yamato talk about the team, he references, yeah, we learned so much. Like, Humanoid's the guy that we all listen to. He told us all the stuff that we're doing wrong. But then when you have that type of hierarchy within the team... I think it just makes the person on top kind of immune to criticism. So I don't know if they're being real with themselves. I feel like that's the, the most important part. Like humanoid is dying to way too fucking much. He dies to everything, bro. You blow on that guy. He's falling over. So I want to see them actually address it and be like, yo, dude, like stop dying to everything. You're a good mid laner. You don't need to die to everything. That was the main thing he worked out of his game when he became super in 2021 is that before in 2020, he was the mid laner that would die a lot. He would have those like one in nine center games where I was like, God damn, this guy's like literally dying all the time. I guess he's side lane. He's kind of strong. He was able to eliminate that from his game when he became really good. I want to see them do that again. Like, I don't see any reason why humanoid needs to die level three every fucking game. Like, why does that Vex game need to exist? To me, it doesn't. So those are my problems with Fnatic. That's pretty much like my, my whole read on them currently. Oh, good. On that topic, by the way, what you say there, I actually call those players you're talking about in CSGO when I do analysis, I call them royalty dom because they're basically, like you say, when someone's won championships and they were like considered an elite player, as you say, they never get criticism even from their teammates in the same way. They are sort of like sheltered from the criticism. And in fact, the implication, even though this is actually toxic as fuck in a team environment, is like, because he was really good two years ago, you can't criticize him now, even though he's just fucked up now. Like that's terrible for any kind of problem solving department. Like it's why, by the way, if you actually have a genius player like that i tell you what if you're a coach you pray that guy never becomes bad not just because it's going to be hard to fix the problem but because you can have this whole social dynamic like the problem with this is it's like i've said on these shows the entire narrative of humanoid is he's the fucking chad clutch player who always delivers in playoffs and he's always going to make a genius move and the problem with that narrative is 
It never gets changed, even when he throws the game. Because here's the problem I have. I think this applies to both Humanoid and Hillisang. Both of those players, almost exactly from the breakdown in the playoffs, they've never recovered. They've never recovered, guys. Humanoid has been dodgy ever since. And Hillisang, remember, he was an MVP candidate last split. Dude, he might be one of the, like, bottom half fucking supports this split. Like, he's had some mad dodgy games. So, like, what I find crazy about this is there's two dynamics here that I think are fucked up. So if we go on the humanoid Razork one, even though normally, look, I try not to read too much in out of the game scenarios because he can have people, Koreans are like this, obviously, where in person you would never think this guy's like some Chad player, but in the game they have like a totally different style. You can get contrasting styles. But all I'll say is this, if you ever listen to the way that Razork publicly communicates, if he comes on the post-game show, if he does an interview, if he tweets, dude, his, he tweets like a man who has zero confidence in himself. Crucially like, in himself, his tweets are always just like, sorry, I suck, basically, or like, my fault, guys, like, you know, we could be better, but we're not right now. Like, dude, he doesn't even sound like he believes, like, he should sort of be there, because that's the problem, like you say, Dom, the vibe I get is this, that, like, this is a guy where when he had sort of, like, carte blanche to do what he wanted, he was a good player, but I get the vibe, now he's expected to fit in with all these superstars, and I don't think he has any clue what he's doing, and the worst thing is, to me, even though the people are putting humanoid in that, like, shot calling category, again, when we say shot calling, we don't literally mean you micro your teammates we mean like here's the general game or here's what i'm about to do you can join in if you want how about that like to me that's what people like humanoid were doing so i, I don't think like fucking cersei and then it was the fucking guy that shadow and el Yoya. i don't think they're all like being micro by humanoid i imagine like el Yoya looks like a pretty aggressive player anyway i imagine they just sync up their player they try and make players at the same time i never thought by the way even when the classic perks caps duo was there i don't think they were talking all the time i think they're just players who got on the same wavelength and they just they could understand when to be at the same parts of the map. They look like it's the opposite. Like, Razork looks like he's just scared, like, has no clue what he's going to do. He has no clue what Humanoid's going to do. And spoiler, how the fuck could he? I, I don't know what Humanoid's going to do. I just know that in two minutes he's going to find a way to die, or he's going to randomly make a flank that doesn't exist and do nothing in a team fight. And he even doesn't throwing, know what he's going to do. No, that's the point. So if you're Razork, good assignment there. Like, you're supposed to just raid this guy's mind and then know he's going to save his flash at some point and not jump out when he's safe. And he could get back to his side of the lane like you can't this sounds like a nightmare assignment for Razog and on top of it like I say like, I don't feel like he had the status as a player anyway like he can't go to Yamato mid lane is fucking up the whole game how am I supposed to play oh wait that's the most legendary player in my team my bad like how's he gonna do that you can't yeah <laughs> I, I think it's really tough I mean just the, the thing is like when humanoid ints it's it's like one of those things where it feels like everyone else is like trying to reverse engineer why he entered it's like huh so should we have been here or do we need to like be like maybe he was winning the 1v1 before that but it's like it's way more simple than that like motherfucker is just inting like just like he did move on to the next thing like you don't need he's not some superior player like you're all fucking good players and i feel like this is normally what fucks up super teams is just the inner dynamic because the super teams normally have the highest level of superstars that's oh. what makes them super. oh yeah of course so yeah. when you have those players on your team instead of like matching them with fair criticism you try to figure out why they're right is as opposed to trying to figure out what the team should do. So that's my biggest... Uh, I actually think they're doing that with both Humanoid and Hillisang, though. Because here's the problem. The classic line with Hillisang, you'll have heard this a million times, Abertini, it always goes like this, right? It's like you're, you're willing to put up with the ints because that's the same sort of impetus that makes him do the genius play. That's essentially the same impulse, right? He's trying to go for a play. If it doesn't work, it looks like an int. If it works, you think, what a best player ever, right? Amazing support. The problem with that is I feel like they're applying that logic to every int of Humanoid and Hillisang. Like, now suddenly they're 
just can't. They're allowed to just in whenever they want because the logic is like Dom says. We're just not five hundred IQ enough to know what they were trying to pull off that would have worked. I don't think that is the case. I, I'm with you. I think they're just doing bad moves now, dude. Like my joke would even be this. My joke would be like humanoid right now is like a metaphor for Upset's career. Like the joke is when he finally fucking did something, probably did more damage to Upset on his own team because that Renata fucking like then the, the other team didn't he twat like Upset's like can you just damage him? Can you damage the other team, please? Like please, you're literally attacking me. You're literally my teammate attacking me. Like and what's it? And then meanwhile, Hillersang's just inting in his lane all day long, and all the fans just go because you know how they are. They just go fucking upset. Sucks at League of Legends. Like again, what's he supposed to do? His, yep. his support just goes off and dies on the map randomly. Like what's he gonna do? Just win the game one v two? Like you know, like yeah. I think I think that's why I say it. I'm sort of done on Fnatic now, dude. I'm that whole sort of like they could still trip over and win. They can't. They fundamentally cannot win. The joke is even they know they can't win. If we had fucking Razork right now with fucking Truth Serum, he'd just break instantly and tell us it's shit. I don't know what I'm doing. Please, can I go back to Misfits now, sir? Like, you know, like, he'd just give in instantly when he break. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's sports. You're not writing a cookbook. There is no, like, written in stone way of playing the game and you're just going to follow your plan. Like, that's 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 a terrible way of approaching the game. It's like, what's our win condition in this game? It's like, I, I completely double on what you said, like, dumb. I feel like I learned that a lot from uh, Will Meteos. I think he's a he's a great player to explain like this concept. And it's like I'm not gonna go like to like the theoretical win condition because if this lane is bloody losing, what what the opponent's gonna do? They're gonna drop like what? Sorry, you wanna cut me? Well, no, I just I, w I wanted to just uh, before you continue that it just. Part of that is that the other team also knows what your win condition is. You're playing against other pro players that like are like, oh, that's yeah. a fucking like lane they want to play around. So I just want to interject that in the middle of your point. But yeah, keep on going. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the thing. You need to project yourself into the enemy enemy team. So it's like, oh, okay, we're winning against this lane. And this is their win condition. So what are we going to do? We're going to put wards. So as a jungle, if you go to your win condition, which is losing because they played bad in lane, like for instance, he thing flashed and died. Then you just walk on walls, and the enemy jungle sees you on walls. So it's just gonna go to your top side, for instance, and just like get all your camps. And uh, good luck, you're two level down. So now what are you supposed to do? Like do a desperate Chinese play and try like the MLXG game and, and try to come back from like three levels down? Like no, no player, or very few players are able to do that. So I feel like they are really trying to like write a quick book and not play the game uh, to some extent, and that that doesn't work. And on top of that, I feel like, as you say, the foreign, the 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 dynamic has been broken. I felt like they've accepted their fate. Like they look like the body language of Fnatic, like Fatality, I feel like they're still looking for an answer. I feel like Fnatic have accepted the fate of not being the super team they wanted to be. And when you look at them, they look defeated from the start the of joke. the game. There's a really classic Twilight Zone episode from the old black and white one, which was famously parodied on The Simpsons, so people might know the modern reference, which is the one where they go into another planet on a spaceship, and as they're finding out about these aliens, they keep finding out, like, a new piece of information that changes what you knew before. So classically, what they find is, like, Zabatine, at one point in time, they find a book, and it's called To Serve Man, and they're like, all right, so are these aliens, like, they want to, like, worship us and, like, serve us, and then the joke is later, when they, like, look at the rest of the book, it's a cookbook, and it's actually, they're going to eat them and they're going to serve man, like you know how to serve men so the joke is that's the same thing they did make a cookbook for Razork they made him a cookbook Razork it was called to serve man he was like right because I'm the jungler I've got to serve all these guys and in the end what he does is just serve up a menu of what do you want today you want some you want some roasted fucking humanoid he's burned his flesh about four times what you want some fucking hilly he's been roaming all over the place a little bit of mengi meat you know like a bit like mutton like fucking hell this is outrageous mate it's mental oh, isn't it because I'm that that's one thing when you were I'm a kid? 
I normally do think... No, here's the thing, mate. Luckily, in my era, they already were on, like, the third remake of those shows. So that's oh. how old I am. I'm still old enough that there was, like, the was shows at, but not the classics, obviously. That's a banger well, fucking... That's a banger. It's, it's a good though. joke, though, isn't it? I know, it's a pretty good one. It's yeah. also, by the way, also, as a random aside, if people ever want, like, if you like Black Mirror and stuff like that, spoiler, you're going to love the old fucking Twilight Zone. It's the same shit. It's just well done. And, in fact, I'd even say this, by the way. The reason you know the old ones hold up, like, the black and white ones, is because, obviously, like, the special effects are terrible. It goes out to say, like, the masks and stuff. But it's just theatre of the mind. It's about the scenario they create. And if it's really creepy, it works. Like, some of them are really disturbing. Even if you notice a shit like mask, it's not an alien. Like, some of them work anyway. So, anyway, the point I to get back to is this. Right, I actually do think, Dom, I'm out on Fnatic. They're not winning this split. I don't get like I'm. Yeah. I'm also done with this idea that they were trying to sell before. It's it, it reminds me of the old Wonder on G2 storyline. You know the storyline when Wonder was on G2 was like, lol. It's hilarious that he's playing WoW all the time and not really playing League, but he still wins. Lol, this is hilarious. And I always used to tell people, warning: the moment they stop winning, that'll stop being a fun storyline. And in fact, it'll be what wrecks his career. That'll be the moment. And I, dude, was I fucking right about that? The, until the very end last year, when he was playing the game, everyone's like, he's probably. Just playing wow all the time so in the same sense humanoid's whole narrative is it doesn't matter if he fucks around in the regular season in the playoffs he's money and he's going to deliver last split he didn't and quite frankly this split like i don't see why he would just wake up and be the best mid now mate because that's the other thing he also has an aspect if we're going on his personality that whole thing again seems fun of like he's a chad he doesn't even care if he ints dude he actually does look like he doesn't care if he ints in some of these games like mate what the fuck was that like barren tp he did in this last week that was like cancer mate imagine imagine <laughs> someone does that and then i'm all supposed to sit in the vod review afterwards and go yeah this guy's our most clutch genius player who just reads the game like he doesn't even press the fucking summoner spell correctly. What are we talking about? He had one button to press. Do I press it now? Oh, I press the button. I've ruined it all. Like, what was that shit, mate? What was that, TP Dom? You're telling me you were cool with that. You must have been Malden. If I pull up your VOD review now, I bet you were Malden on that core stream, mate, when he did that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just the way the fanatic looks, but as a whole, it's just like the thing, it's not even just, it's so hard to even get mad at those like individual issues because they compound on each other. So, like, you see the first and, and then the, they just like keep on trying to fix the problem. So there'll be like the next one. And then you'll see like four mistakes in a row. And by the last one, it's it's just lost as effect. It's not like a, a really tense game where they're playing perfectly. And then they have like one huge in. They've been just, so I don't even know. I would have to re pull up again. Which sure, one actually. you're referencing exactly. Yeah. Because I like who even fucking cares yeah. at this point? Like they always just ruin Great. the game like that. No, you're right, though, because there's a different storm. I've seen Rogue play a whole game fine and do one little mistake and lose. For now, just make, like, half a dozen mistakes every game, win or lose. Win or lose, mate. Like, fucking ridiculous. What do you think, Zabatine? Like, do you actually think this team could win LEC? Like, is, like essentially... Because I think this is one area as well where it's a big ask for a coach. Like, if this team has failed, like, he's not a miracle worker. Like, he's already got the players he's got now. He's, no one else is coming in the team. Can it win LEC, Fnatic? It's very hard to believe. Very, very hard to believe. Like, I don't, I'm not a definitive no person. So I would say, like, it's it's a very unlikely. I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't put a dollar on it. I mean, he's Two a positive probably. guy. He, he had to coach like Optic and Immortal, so he had to have this like you know this this uh exactly. this belief. You know, I here's the thing: that. I'm really gonna make him work for his money now because, as I mentioned okay. earlier, obviously he personally coaches Vettio and. 
let's be real, outside of Vettio and Neon, there's not really that much you can talk about Misfoots positively, but let's try, shall we? So here's the thing. First things first, I'll just start with my take on Misfits, right? I did tell you, if you notice on those past episodes, Dom, even though Misfits look better and better and better, a lot of it is they do just catch throws from the other team. Like, the other team throws them it, and they've just been able to actually successfully catch it, bring it down, and fucking there we go. We scored. We, we got our score. Because when you actually see them play otherwise, like, they're not they're not ever going to be an elite team with this squad, mate. And one of the reasons why is this. Even when they win games, I watch some of these games, and I'm like, what is the slant guy doing? Like, how does he make so many mistakes? Oh, we don't need to talk about that guy anymore. He wins games that they make these mistakes. I don't get it. Like, I'm, I don't want to hate on the guy, but if I was him for real, I would actually be like, dude, I'm getting carried. This is insane. Like, I don't know how I'm winning any of these fucking matches. I think it's mental. Well, I mean, you don't have to talk about that guy anymore because we just yep. uh, we, we saw the replacement. So, yep, Zenzara the replacement. I mean, justifiably though, like I think, it, like like I say, like I'm not hating Zabatie. Like last split, he was all right. He had he obviously won the rookie in the split, which is bullshit. But he won it right. He had some lease in games. This split, like I think he was fundamentally one of the main problems in this squad. Like he just didn't work in the team. I think. I mean, look. The one thing I'll say is I I don't think that that Zanzer is much better. So like, it's oh, like, greatest you, replaced, sure, sure. You, you replaced like cow dung with like horse dung. And it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, both your junglers are going to, maybe sure. it's Zanzer's meta. I can understand that. Like Trundle's coming back in. Poppy's like a tank sure. jungler. There's the, the, we've seen now in LPL today, we saw Skarner come in as the answer to the oh Poppy. God. So there we go. maybe, maybe okay. this is the dream okay. Zanzer meta. My problem with Misfits is I don't like that they keep on trying to be a team that they're not. They have a very defined style that has worked for them. In almost every single one of their games, they have a yep. weak side top laner. They have like a tank top or the or Gwen top. It's just like those two. And they play a hard fucking carry yep. mid lane, like a hard scaling carry mid. And then they have like an AD that can also just join in like as, as, as another point of power, like a scaling hard carry AD. And then they just like decide to go away from that when they start winning games. I never understand. It's like, you don't need to be this fucking crazy good team. Like you're trying to, to get into playoffs and get a world spot. Like you're not trying to be the best team in LEC. Like that is such an unreasonable thing. You want to do as best as you can. So for me, I think that they need to hone in on what they do, but it feels like they're not ready to accept that fate. They're like, no, 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 we got to be better than that. Like we can't win LEC if we, you know, are playing a tank top every game. It's too easy to draft. It's like, number one, I don't even know if that's true. Like, G2 playing a fucking tank top almost every Well, they were playing like a bunch of Orin, and that's when they got into form and, and won LEC. So I don't even know if you can't win LEC if you get really good at that one style. But for me, it's like, why do you keep on trying to change it? Like, you don't need to play all these other champions. We don't need to see a fucking carry from Irrelevant. Like, that, it's just not necessary. It's not necessary. And it's not the way they're going to have the best performance, especially when you consider how many games they lost in the beginning. Like, they started 0-4. They don't have a yeah, lot exactly. of these games to drop. Yes. With dropping these last two... Like now they're five and six. Like, dude, if you lose like three more games, there's a chance you don't make you don't even make playoffs. So I just want to see them real or like ring reel it back in. So yeah, yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh, I align with, with what Dom said. I feel like it's 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 a harder problem that it was uh, summer speed last year and 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 spring speed this year. I feel like here it's to with all the holes in his play and all the ends, Herit is a very good 1v1 player. He's an extremely gifted laner in terms of pressuring if the jungle doesn't come. But so he creates pressure. And this pressure was very well used in the spring speed by Vithyu and Neon to actually scale. And they have great scaling champions. Think about the Silas, the Akali, the Jinx, right? The Aphelios. And this is this was Misfit's play side. So if you weren't able to punish um, Herit enough, and snowball out of here it ends, like overextends, you would be overscaled in, uh, in team fights. 
The problem with irrelevant is no, they have a weak side, top side that doesn't really stops dying either. I think he has been improving drastically since week two. He's way better, but I don't think he's way better. Like he, he, he's not good enough to actually be a carry. So nobody soaks pressure in early game anymore. So you have a jungle that doesn't play for the lanes and you have a, a bot lane, a weak side bot lane, a weak side top lane, and you have a scaling mid laner. So that's a team that does nothing. Like that's the definition of a team that's gonna do nothing. And so I think that most teams have figured out that if you get vision around mid, you prevent VTO from moving. Whenever you have a winning winning side, whether it's bot or top, you keep diving this bot or top and you just win out of this. But there is no like prodigy in the top that's gonna soak pressure and probably 1v2 at some point and win the game out of that. So I feel like it's a significant downgrade actually. Not that Irreven uh, cannot play in ADC. I think he had pretty good games in, but Misfits is not a system where Irrelevant can fit in at all. And so it actually increased the burden on Neon and VTO to carry. And it gives Schlatan no real play. And Schlatan doesn't even play well no, no anymore. So, I mean, it's really hard to be enthusiastic about Misfits, man. Like, obviously, I'm rooting for them because I'm rooting for VTO because I'm working with them. And... But I feel like the whole energy from the team where they're going to, like, get this giga upset out of nowhere, it's... I, maybe even for them, it's getting old. I don't know, right? I don't have I don't have this level of insight, but it's like, why would you be excited about like coming back from a six seven k deficit every single day or losing? Because this I is mean, what they do every single time. I definitely because agree. You can with maybe make worlds because there's four sl slots. That's what I would say. It's like you yeah, can still fucking do it. There's an outside chance. Yeah, there's an outside yeah. chance. I don't think they're going to beat anyone to be your five, like, but whatever. I, all I'll say is this: you I might not even agree. need to, Thorin. That's the great part oh, about the system true. we got. <laughs> well, they're also never making top four, though, to be real. In, in, yeah, okay. in this fucking B or one part. But they do fun. actually. See, this is the thing because you got to remember that there is circuit points that determine your seeding. So there's a world where, like, oh, if, I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. They so they have, I, I yeah. believe, a 20 point lead on XL. So even if they, like, right. end up one spot behind XL, they could actually end up being top right, four over that's them. True. So there's an outside chance, but I would say it is low. Like, I wouldn't bet on this team making worlds. I'm just trying to throw it. It is, like, in the realm of possibilities yeah, yeah. That, that you could do that. So just wanted to throw that in. The funny thing is, I actually think I'd, I've mentioned this a few times on watch parties and shows, but I have the same vibe in Europe as I do as when I watch 100 Thieves in NA, which is like, I, it's so easy, in my opinion, to get tricked by the turnaround of the wins because you're like, wow, they're winning games now. It's like, yeah, they're winning because they've essentially cynically realized that you have to band aid this team. It's not going to work. Look, what's the basic blueprint that works? And both teams are actually fighting similar drafting style, you notice. And if they get it correct, like these are the two teams that you can just tell by the draft if they have a chance of winning the game or not. You, there's no like, oh, how are they going to get around this? And make, no, that's not going to work. Like, you can see if they drafted the right ones, like, Dom says in the right roles, they have a chance. If they don't, there's fucking no chance. So they're not that interesting. But one thing I thought we could segue from is obviously there was a, there was another piece of news, which was one from, from, to be fair, one of the formerly anonymous leakers. So who knows how true it is, which was that apparently Misfits might just leave LEC entirely. That is the rumor. Maybe they are one of the teams that cashes out, leaves the space and someone else buys in. Now, obviously, most people are going to get caught in what I think is the boring cul-de-sac conversation. Like, what if Karma and Corp was the last team? Like, everyone's had that discussion about a million fucking times, and it never goes beyond what if Carmine Corp joined. There's no interesting no. take anyone has. So let's skip okay. that. I just wanted also, to do the take. Yeah, go on. Just saying, that's probably not happening. By the time this also releases, yeah, no. 
by the time this the that this releases, the word on the street is that actually Heretics is the team. The team from LVP is the team that's actually going to be yes, buying. It's, it's spot, a Spanish so. org. Yes, they yes. might know it from CS, etc. Basically, the interesting part to me, I think, it's more interesting. I want to get your guys' take on is I think it's actually the implication about what it means about teams like Misfits. Basically, teams that traditionally, if you look at the history of LEC, have been like bottom half table teams and stuff. Because the vibe goes like this. A lot of people, you might remember the infamous Carlos comment when they were making LEC about how there's like a lot of orgs are like parasites and they're just going to sort of like take a slot up, but they're not going to do any work and they're not going to have marketing and they're not going to make merchandise and they're just going to sit back and they're going to share part of the rev and they're just going to sit on a spot basically. Like essentially that's the discussion I get. I get the implication we can have about this, which is if someone like Misfits is going to leave, obviously Schalke already left last year. They got the 26 million euros. That's what a lot of people are now looking at. Right, they're basically, if you're a fan and you don't know the business of League of Legends, if you're the smaller orgs, maybe not Misfits because they went for the super team, but you think of like Astralis, SK Gaming, these are the teams that like, if you can really get, we're, we're obviously imagining the price is the same. If you knew the buyout is 26 million euros, let's say it's the same as Schalke's got bought out for. Teams like SK and Astralis could fuck around for a few more years and because they keep their margins down, they could sell for that 26 euro and make a profit from their League of Legends experience. They could actually leave with millions of dollars profit. So the, the, essentially, do you think people are doing that? Is that just a cynical take? Do you actually think there are orgs in the league which are just essentially sort of like keeping their foot in the door so they want to keep their LIC slot to sell one day, but they're not trying, for example, like the G2s of the world to potentially like win each time. They're not trying to like re-up. Like Fnatic, Fnatic must have spent big money on this off-season team you know this is a team built to win so what are your guys thoughts on this one like is lec got an issue in that sense our team's camping spots do you think does it matter i'd say i'd say i'd say the only one that actually saw um doing that like kind of the blast on the way was actually misfits because they had um they had the rookie that you want to invest on right once you once you have someone like vto and you already have Razork and you know that you have players you have you had very good players around the market that were free agent at the of season like you had you had wonder that was available you had mickey's that got available because of the blow up of the yeah, yeah. g2 sphere and stuff like this so like thinking about it once you have your i would say uh rookie pay payroll uh, very high quality kind of road diamond and you have this jungle that's loyal but it's part of like the higher bracket of the jungles and you have your mid jungle setup it's pretty easy to build a very competitive team with i would say not that much of a budget and if you look at it they have maintained pretty much the same thing uh they they could have replaced uh probably uh they haven't imported at all even when here it left like they didn't try to get another import uh so they've pretty much been what i would say it's not like Terrible because they had good results, but they've been in maintenance for the last two years, right? They've been, they haven't been investing in any big names since the Soas, Gorilla, Hensama, and it's been three, four years ago. So it was 2019, right? Yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. So this, this for me, because we can speak about Astralis, but I think that even with a lower payroll, Astralis has tried to make move to make move this off season to actually better the team. They actually benched players, they hired ones, they actually got Chelsea back, and they look way better. If you think about SK, SK has been making a lot of changes. I don't think they're just holding a spot. They are they are trying to advertise it, whether it works or not. The only the only German team in LCS. I'm not a huge fan of SK, but I don't feel like they're just holding a spot. BDS, if they're just holding a spot, I don't understand anything because they just got in and they're trying to do things. So the only team that actually didn't show any ambition of getting great players, upgrading the roster, building a long-term plan, or getting any type of visibility within the sphere was Misfits. 
So I'm not that surprised that like it's among the candidates, according to the rumors, that they're going to leave. Uh, we were saying the same about Excel, but I think that Excel this year, not only they have in, invested in good players, they have good results. And anything they do from like content to merch and stuff like this is pretty good. Like they are trying to do things that make sense. They probably need an international win, like a relevant win for people to gather to them. But they're still trying. So I, I wouldn't put like Excel in the, in the bag of teams that are like just holding the door. I don't know what's your opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, I just think that there's like very clear teams that that want to sell eventually, right? Like to me, SK, Astralis, Misfits, like you, like BDS, I, I don't really know how to judge them. Of course, it's only been one year. Maybe things just didn't work out, but like where, like they didn't buy any players for that team. There was no like star players that they got. I mean, I guess Adam was like coming off some hype from Fnatic and he's like French player, French org. Maybe, maybe that like would, would be like a player that you want on your Swiss team old. because he was, oh, it's Swiss or true. Yeah, they have an LFL. Yes, yes yeah. true, actually. Wait, were they bought by, by a French guy or no? Isn't he Belgian, the guy wants it or something? No, no, he's a, he's a Swiss, Swiss guy. Oh, like Swiss BDS belongs to a Swiss guy, Latour, BDS Latour. Okay. Oh wait, why are they why are they involved in all the French drama? I thought they were French work this whole time because all the I mean, because yeah, yeah, the French. French and Swiss essentially yeah. Swiss people in esports yeah. and like Belgians okay. just go with the the French by default. Yeah, I, I I stand corrected. So maybe maybe that was like, but I guess the the overall point is that he was a super popular player, right? So maybe yeah, you want to have somebody like that yeah. who is on the up in terms of popularity in their org. So I think that that could be a draw. But then like their whole like their whole demeanor this entire time where they're like, oh, well, we got a two year plan in the second year. We're going to be good. It's like, dude, you guys are fucking one in 10. Like, it's not like you guys are almost competitive. You guys don't look like misfits from last year where it's like, oh, this video guy looks kind of good. Who maybe they could do something in the next year. Like you just have no faith in this, this lineup. So, I mean, I just feel like that whole tier, like, you know what Misfits has been doing this whole time. You you could see it. Like, if you really wanted to contend, you wouldn't bring Mercer up and try to develop another player. Like, you have the players that are developed. Like, you already did that. You got Vedio when he was cheap, when he was coming from ERLs. Like, you don't have to do that again. Like, there's no reason. Like, import if you have to. Get somebody who's really fucking good on that team. So when I look at other players on this team, like, I just know that Misfits is trying to, to get the bag. Same thing with Schalke. Schalke did the same thing. Like we, we see SK essentially doing the same thing. Like they're not putting budget into this team. They like, if somebody comes around and offers an insane amount of money for SK, you're telling me SK is going to keep that slot. Like, I don't think that they're making it like, look at, look at their, their branding and everything. No one's buying SK merch. No one's doing anything based off their league of legends team. So they're not in as well. Astralis, like they made moves that are kind of good and they're like, try, but they didn't do it in a way that they had to ex like spend a lot of money. You know, they're not trying to win a title in LEC. So, I mean, I just see that like um, among LCS and LEC, as soon as they franchise, you suddenly got all these bottom feeder orgs that are just okay with mediocrity. And the problem that I see is that there's no fire because of no relegations. There's no fire of these teams to like actually become like good. Like you don't have to panic if you're BDS right now. Look at what BDS has done. Look at, look at their mentality right now. What did they just do? Bringing limit into the main team, bringing Erdote into the Academy team. It literally looks like they want their Academy team to just succeed more in EU Masters, and they're just like, fuck the, the LEC team. Like, we're probably out of it anyway. We need to, like, win, like, seven games in a row. We probably have to win the yeah. remaining games to even have they're a probably right. chance. Yeah, they're probably yeah. right. So, the, like, but, like, you wouldn't do that if there was relegations well, online. Exactly. Yes. Like, you would actually be like, oh, shit, we gotta, like, actually get better, because right now, imagine look, being them and then looking at, like, a team like LDLC. Imagine being BDS. I tweeted out after that game, I was like, I don't even think this BDS team, this, this BDS team would, would would maybe not even be a top five team in LFL. And Sinkarov replied to me, and he's like, yeah, we'd, we'd struggle to even make playoffs. That's what he said. So, but you know, I don't know. 
in the NFL, in NFL there is up and downs. For instance, like you have your first yeah, second yeah, division yeah, sure. of NFL, yeah, right? Okay. And and so you have the Fabian that got hired by one of the teams that's in relegation to replace the mid laner because they want to. So they have fire, right? They you, you, if you, if you're not winning, you're irrelevant for a whole year. So you get you gotta get it. I just feel like. It's, it's probably a big, a, a broader topic, but I feel like the LEC has probably been a very good, like the idea of franchising and partnership has probably been a very good idea in the, at the moment it's been decided. And it's up in the air. I'm not even sure of that. But at the moment, it's at the current moment, I feel like it has very little relevance because now you have a whole circuit of players. Players are protected now, right? They can play in LFL and make a decent living. You can even play in second division French League and make a decent living. I'm pretty sure in Prime League in Northern League is probably MVP. It's probably not as as uh, expensive as the LFL because there's less visibility and stuff. But there is still like, you can make a job as a European player pretty much all across the board, right? And investors, uh, when they invest, like they should be rewarded by sports, branding, fandom, to be into into this league. The problem is, no, they're stuck with this. Uh, if it's 25 uh, million per, per, per slot, right? It's a 250 million uh, asset that's standing there. That's, it's a security, right? It's just divided in 10 parts and they don't know what to do with it. Because the natural flow should be that the winner of the U Master go into an up and down. That should be the natural flow of any common sense, right? Should be, okay, so Vitality B wins the, the U Master. Okay, they can do the up and down. If they win, they have to rebrand. And now, whoever in uh, uh, influencer, whether it's Mr. Beast, Kameto, or some guy from, I don't know, like Germany that I don't never heard about, wants to actually sponsor this team and bring all his fan base that never heard of League of Legends into the, the, the world of esports and bring all the new fans to League of Legends, that would benefit the, the LEC and League of Legends industry as a whole a lot, right? That's for me what NAS failed to, to do, right? By cutting, like, broadcast abroad and cutting sources of, of, of viewers this is the same thing as like nobody no german is like oh i'm gonna watch sk because i'm german yeah they're the biggest fuck. influencer right of germany of germany and tell him like oh there's vitality b coming in the the, 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 the fr- out of the lfl to the uh, lec because they want eu masters and they want the up and down do you want it to be your team and he's like oh yeah let's try this and then suddenly you have like i don't know 500k or 300k new people that are actually interested in league of legend but that's, that doesn't happen because, oh, we have 250 million that we need to reimburse if we want to open the league again. And nobody wants to spend 250 million to that for that. So I feel like it's kind of a dead end. And this is kind of because I don't know whoever buys the slot, if it's not like a huge audience team, do you think it's going to like legitimately like Thorin, do you think it's going to fix the, the viewer drop? Like there is like minus. I don't, minus think, it, I don't think it will affect it almost at all, personally. Like heretics, heretics versus, versus misfits. How does that change? Yeah, exactly. It's irrelevant to me. Well, the only thing is, I would say this. I think basically you're being too kind when you're like saying like, but they have made change. Like the problem here is like, again, it's not like I'm saying they've done nothing and they've spent like the literal minimum amount of euros you can spend to hire the cheapest players for four splits in a row. And they're literally even saying like in interviews, like we don't even care. We just fucking shit. They're not going to be that ridiculous. But all I mean is this. If you get a spot in the LEC, right, you either think it's great business or you want to be a competitive team, right? We know it's not amazing business. It's just you lose slightly less than the open circuit. Everyone's still losing money. So now you're in a scenario instead where there's actually a world, like I said, where you might not lose money. Like, spoiler, Schalke, Schalke will have made... T- 
maybe like 10 million euros from their time in fucking LEC. If you look how much they got at the end and how little they will have paid with those salaries. They weren't paying big money, by the way. And they were getting even the good players, like either when they were on the down of their career or they were just coming up as a rookie. They weren't, they weren't signing big names. They signed people at the end, like all these cons doing Astralis and SK. You just signed the guy who's half decent before because he's got nowhere else to go. And all you need to know is this. Here's how, in my opinion, you can tell that these teams are... It's not. It's it's more that they go in the middle, Zabatine. It's that they go, right, is this team like... All right at the moment maybe sign like a, a slightly more expensive player and we'll go for like the playoff run ah the playoff run's not there fuck it just put in the RL player be cynical I think they do that I think they try and like stay in the really like walk the fine line and spend as little as possible to like stay in a team and maybe just have a because the reason why is this it's given away with what you said it's what they do in the off seasons that gives them away as Abertine they mm -hmm. don't get a team like Misfits had and go wow look at what we've done here tell you what sign a fucking sick support player let's let's us get Mickey X the team's complete now let's go and fucking win the LEC. They don't. They go, gamble on another support from ARL. Did it work? Vethio, carry 1v9. You didn't win. Ah, oh, whatever. Get a different player in. Then in the Astralis team, do they sign like Jizuke and have like a, an identity and marketing? And a, Do they fuck? They go, try any mid laner. What? Try Nuke Duck when he's washed. Try White Knight. Fuck it. Try this Mayor guy. The, the Jayor guy. Bayor guy. Any other Gayor guys. Like, anyone with fucking... They don't care, mate. They're not trying to sign the top players. They're just putting anyone in these fucking roles. So I think cynically, when they think they have a little chance at a run, they spend a little bit of money. I think every now and then they get one name. But like, these teams look to me like they are phoning it in, mate. And the reason why it sucks is because when I go and look at the top of the RLs, like you're saying, these lineups are way better than fucking Astralis and SK Gaming. Like, what is this shit? Like, I go and look at the best ERL teams. They'll have, like, two or three players that are better than an SK player or an Astralis player. Like, it's ridiculous. So, to me, it's not as simple. They're not making it obvious because if they made it too blatant, like, Riot Avenger would have to kick them out. They can't go 0-18 four splits in a row. But I do think these teams are mad cynical. Like, I, I'm, I, I'll probably make a video on it separately, so I'll go more in detail there. But I, I think this sucks for the LEC because, like I say, it yeah. means there are actually players who are too good to be in LEC but they can't play as a result like like what's the point in being these players like crown shot like but I either sit on a bench or I go to an ARL or I can't or I have to be good enough to be top four like what's the incentive structure for me you know uh and the the thing I let you talk after it's just I feel like the system is wrong because you see the very same thing in LCS like the thing I is, you agree. Can, you, I'm, I'm fine. You I, I think it's a franchise problem. Yeah. That's a very, that's a very important thing, right? Because you could say, oh, it's a European thing, right? But it's not. It's it's the system that's to blame. Like if you create a system that's by nature uh, making generating revenue only for the top four, four teams, but generating a huge. A market value, right? A market. Yeah, by the uh, way, what we're talking about now basically is the main problem with the esports industry as a whole. It's that right now you lose money if you try and get the top players. So it's only worth getting the top players if you literally A, think you can win and B, you can survive losing the money. Otherwise, what you do is you just try and stay as long as you can surviving and hope you get to the point where all the money comes, which isn't yet, obviously. Yeah, exactly. But you see that the system is wrong because yeah, the same exact same problems happen in yeah, LCS. It's even probably more blatant in LCS. I don't know what you think, Dom. Yeah, it's definitely more blatant. I mean, like Immortals over the years. I hate, I hate to, 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 to bring you into this, but Immortals over you the think years. It, dude, I got fired in week two summers. Did you think? Did you see any posture in the back? Yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, Immortals, Dignitas, sure. Golden Guardians is the most blatant example of this. You I think that obvious one, yes, exactly. Golden Guardians lucked into actually having a competitive roster. Like, holy shit, this guy from fucking Turkey yes. is actually cracked. And this guy from OCE that we brought in suddenly 
became not an import and he's cracked too what the fuck we're gonna just like win worlds or some shit and then what do they do immediately They're, they have one good split they get like they they take a, a, a series off tsm and they lose to them the second time they play in the double elimination they send them all to immortals take the whole fucking team we're gonna start over again what did they replace with yep to 100 thieves and then yeah. uh yeah to 100 thieves. i don't know if I oh, you just been fun. yeah keep going uh, uh but the the best part about that is who do they take they take iconic and niles they start rebuilding maryville university they start they don't even go to like academy where it's like oh, i mean like this is the equivalent of ERL. it's like going to erl second division or going to like i mean i don't even know what it would be the equivalent to maybe it is erl second division of like not even erl second division of like lfl the second division of like yeah, well, open tour, shit. open tour. Yeah, it's it's like it's, it's the, the real amateur, right? It's like uh, you can just go with your team, like you go in LAN, pretty much, right? Yeah. And exactly. the first one of these thing can go in second division. Exactly. So it's something like that because I mean the the hierarchy should be like you have academy teams and then you have like amateur teams and then under that should be the collegiate teams. But they went to collegiate teams and put them in the roster and they sold it as we are developing our fucking talent. What did they do? They kicked the players like instantly. As soon as they could find better like replacements, they just kicked them. So it wasn't like they even built up Niles and and built up uh, Iconic and just like fucking you know suddenly they they had a long term goal or they tried them for multiple splits. They kicked Niles after one split, like he ran it down for one split, which is expected, and they just kicked him immediately. Like it wasn't even like they even tried. So man, I I'm so tired of NA. It's like the same. I mean, even even FlyQuest. I think FlyQuest got lucky with the players that they got. Like the fact that Takui is actually a beast. I don't think that they were real. I think that they 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 prayed that he was a beast. I don't think that they scouted him. They're like, this is like the guy, and then we're gonna like get these type these stars around him. When you look at the creation of the team, if you wanted to be competitive right now, potentially like fight for a world spot, you wouldn't be getting somebody like Kumo as your top laner. Like you wouldn't be that would not be the idea for what a team is because you need other pieces around him. You'd have Takui as like your import, where it's like, oh, he has the potential to be the beast. He could be the video or something. And then you'd get an insane top later. You'd be like, okay, so like let's let's import a fucking top. Top is always weak in our region. Import a top. Get the fucking team working like this. I don't know, man. When I see all these types of moves from, from teams, it literally feels like there's five teams in LCS that want to actually contend. One of them is ironically, I think TSM, even though they end up sucking and they use all their money, I actually do believe that they are trying to spend money to get a team that's good. Like hey, they yeah, do want to by other side and, yeah. Yeah, I but agree. like Maple, like, I mean, I can, I, I believe that I they mean, are... spend too much money not to say, like, I mean, uh, uh, the, the, the price they pay for these players coming from uh, from Asia, right? It's, yep. it's, it's ginormous, so they, they're doing it wrong, obviously wrong, but they're doing it at least, right? You, you need to give them props for that. At least try it is the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah try, I, I, give yeah. Them, I give them the pass there. I feel like CLG lucked their way into a good roster right now, yeah, but they're doing the same thing. Like, they're doing the same thing. This was supposed to be the down year for CLG, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. FlyQuest, CLG, Golden Guardians, Immortals, Team Dignitas. I mean, Golden Guardians selling their, selling their team to 100 Thieves. I mean, it's just like, you just know that these teams are not there to actually win and yes. win. Like, because they don't care. Like, they don't even think if they win that it'll be a good return on investment. They're not going to be able to capitalize enough on the win to pay for what the whole roster is going to be. So you know that these teams are just waiting for somebody to come and, and give them a bag. I don't know. It, it's just really frustrating to watch because the problem is it makes a lot of the games bad to watch. Like so there's days of LEC, like for example, in that week four where Thor and I talked about it, it was just a horrible oh, day coming. of games. Both, both of the days were just like, man, there's like almost nothing to watch here. There ended up being upsets. So that saved it. But just in terms of the matchups, there's nothing that you're hyped about.
That's this is why I care about it. Here's the problem, Zabatine. I actually totally understand for the owners. Like, put it this way, if I was an owner and I owned, like, SK Gaming, far from the biggest org in Europe, I probably would do this strategy. This is actually the GM strategy I would do. It's why I actually praised, like, Astralis for gambling on the Yonghoon guy. I think that's a great example of a very cheap move that could have an enormous upside. It's a great gamble. But the difference is this. As a viewer, I hated those Zabatine. Like Dom's saying, I want it to be 10 teams that are all trying to win. And so I actually have, like, a real battle and I know everyone's working the hardest. And I know, for example, they're trying to put the best players in the league as well. Like if they pick this mid laner instead of Jizuke and Jensen and Niski, I want to believe that they actually think he's going to be better, that they think he is the next Vethio and they think he's going to be the MVP. I don't want it to be like, well, why did you get him then? Oh, it's just cheap. Just no one else wanted him, so he's just available. That's fucking whack. No viewer wants that. Right, let's flip anyway. The last team to talk about, because fuck talking about SK and BDS. We, we did mm -hmm. side ways to do it. It's obviously XL, but I saved them till the end, right? Here's the thing with XL. Normally, I'll give you the, the, the like, lay of the land here, Zabatine. Normally, we sort of put them a little bit in the category of the rogues of the world, where it's like, the problem they have is they can look really clean. They're winning now, but A, no one knows if they're going to do anything in playoffs. And I think with their team as well, they particularly have the problem that no one really thinks in the traditional carry roles that they have a superstar like Nuke Duck. I mean, maybe you'll make the Patrick case. You've said you, you think he's mega good, but that's the other thing. People think maybe you can't win LEC if you don't have the superstars to get you through the big series, etc. So do you actually believe in XL? Do you believe XL can be a champions of a team? Can they be the best mm. LEC team? I mean, it's their time, if anything, right? I think I'm kind of sad because I feel like if I was... If I was Excel, I would have tried to invest probably into a... Uh, Nuke Duck is playing pretty good, I think, this split, but like for a mid laner superstar, like a Takuya. Like Wasn't someone, the story someone that, that they were supposedly right? one of the teams trying to get Vettio in the off-season, like this mid-season, but wasn't that one of the rumours? Yeah, I've, I heard this rumor. Yeah, I heard this rumor, and that's... I, I don't know if it's true or not, uh, but... I mean, Vito in 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 Excel would have made them like a a, a world contender. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like I would have I would have seen this team as a world contender. I'm not saying Nuke Dog is bad, but I feel like there is a point. As I said previously, right during this podcast, is two v two mid jungle is extremely important in any league, but it's even more important in Europe, right? It's a it's a it's a, yeah, it's a region where like mid jungle. Pretty much, you have the best mid jungle. You win, you win the league. Like yes. Caps, uh, Caps has actually for like the last three years. Yeah, I'd argue in spring it happened as well. Yeah, they probably so won I, I, I just, I just feel like they're probably gonna. I, I don't want to wish that for them because they have very, very good players and pretty good rookies. I feel the scouting was pretty interesting from them. Um, I mean, scouting uh, to some extent because they still have me kicks. I. I am afraid they're gonna fall short when the game's gonna change. Not sure of it, but with the the change, they're gonna be a massive change, right? The, the next patch of League of Legends kills the sustaining lane, meaning that any bad trade you're taking, you're not recovering from it. It's not like it's like season two, where you take a bad trade, someone pokes you, it pokes you out, you out of lane. You're losing two waves, and you're gonna be one level down. This is gonna clearly make a difference between great laners and laners like you cannot just trade your hp for like pushing a wave and go dive you're gonna have to win your priority by actually like laning someone out and i feel in that sense someone like larson is gonna shine a lot because he's fundamentally a very good laner and he plays for that but i don't know if like the mid jungle of um of excel is gonna resist to this increase in skill in mid lane yeah. because they're gonna be a, a huge 
gap up in terms of skill requirement in mid lane to be able to be a good 2v2 mid jungle from that point. I don't know what you think, Dom, because I mean you're pretty knowledgeable about the game, but I want to I want to know what you think about it. Well, one thing that that is interesting is so I I agree with the overall sentiment that that laning is going to be harder. One thing they seem to pull from the patch because I'm looking at it right now is did they actually keep the TP nerf? Because I thought that that was actually a huge part of it, and it seems like they took away the TP nerf. They said they so, were going to get rid of that. I think didn't they? I think soft Reddit rumors, but didn't they say they scrapped that idea or something? Am I yeah, maybe the TP nerf didn't come in, so I thought that that was going to make it even worse. I would have to see it in practice because obviously, like I don't I don't like, I mean it definitely looks big. But I wonder how much people will still just be taking TP in the mid lane, and just push out a wave, and like that's always been your get out, got get out of jail free card. So I was actually more interested to see how it worked without the TP nerfs because the TP nerfs were supposed to be up to seven minutes, and it's like seven minutes for a fucking TP. Like goddamn, like you got that shit like once for lane phase, maybe twice for lane phase, and then besides for that, you're just like going to be actually holding it to to make plays um, post fourteen because then obviously fourteen becomes the unsealed TP goes down to four minutes again. So. I mean, we'll have to see how, how bad it is. Um, I think what I fear is going to happen is that we might end up just in a control mage meta where the people that don't have the most confidence in their lane just try to cheat lane by playing something like super, super safe. So we just see even more Azir, even more quirky, that type of stuff. And, you know, we see just, just people, you know, Victor and, st and stuff like this, and people will just be playing to, to not die because it's pretty easy to play a lane super defensively. Like, it's pretty easy to just, like, only trade when the person walks into your range and not actually try to exploit it. So I wonder what direction we'll get in Europe because it doesn't seem like these types of changes are normally capitalized as hard in Europe as I see in like other regions. So obviously I watch a ton of LPL when they did the durability changes. Just look at how it affected the game in in uh, Europe compared to China in LPL motherfuckers don't care. It's like no durability patch happened. Everyone's diving all over the place still like it's the turret changes. The durability changes didn't seem to change the game at all. And then when I see these changes hit Europe, like the durability changes made the games noticeably a lot slower. Like you look at all of the the uh, European games right now and they just don't feel the same. Outside of Mad Lions, no one plays aggressively. So I'm still uh, not completely convinced that the game will that'll be massively impacted, but I think it'd be nice to see for some of the players because, you know, I, I miss the days of laners actually solo killing each other mid. Like, well, like, it feels like you, you never see anyone get solo killed anymore. Now. Yeah. I mean, maybe Remember every now that? and then you'll see a bad play, but still. Uh, Exile, Exile in Unicorns of Love, summer 2016, solo killed his opponent, I think, uh, 26 times. There was 26 solo kills from the same player. Now, if you have one yep. solo kill, you feel like, oh, it's it's like, it's the event of the day, right? It's the best play of the day. It gets like MVP of the day. Uh, play of the day or whatsoever for for that. So yeah, it's it's crazy. But it's just like sustain is so 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 pre predominant in league at the at the moment. You can stay with like second win. You have champions that you can f Renekton, for example, the matchup Renekton versus Victor. I remember I was asking Vito about it. He was like, yeah, if you play Renekton versus Victor, Victor needs to just hit the wave because if he hits Renekton, he actually loses the lane. Yep. Because you regen so much that you actually don't you, you can't do anything. And that's stupid. That's 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 a nonsense. Like it's the complete opposite of like what the game should be. So I hope it's gonna change to the good direction. But I agree with you. I think in Europe, Azir is gonna be like first P blue side every single game and bad in red side. By yeah. the way, and to bring it back to the actual XL topic. Sorry. I, the other thing I think about this squad is though, of all the times to have this nightmare dilemma, where as you're pointing out, the real question if you were XL after last split was. Do you have the balls to potentially 
upgrade on Nuke Duck, who basically, by the way, is one of the players that helped make the team what it is now, and even potentially why people want to join the team. So, like, the problem is they didn't do that, right? I actually think now's the nightmare time as well, mate, because if you look at Nuke Duck's level of play over the year, and right now even, he's, like, right on the line of, like, good mid laner who's not, like, the best and the superstar, but he's good enough to be in this team. Like, for example, it's the Talia looks like it fits in perfectly fucking fine, mate. Still got a great champion. Andrew, obviously. Still plays great with all the meta champions with Mark Hoon. But I, th I think he's right on the line, though. Like, I, I actually think if he won LEC, he, he instantly goes to the probably the worst on that list I have of, like, the worst player to win LEC for mid lane. But the problem is, like, he probably isn't going to win LEC, is he? I think he's just slightly too low. He's just slightly yeah. too low on the performance level for me. I think the interesting thing for me is, like, so Matt and Rogue look pretty good right now. And then you have, like, Fnatic and G2, which both don't look that great. And then you have XL that's actually looking better. So do we see XL actually go to Worlds instead? Because I don't think that they're going to win the split. Like, I just, I don't even think that that's possible for them. I think they could go to Worlds over a team like Fnatic with how bad Fnatic's been playing. Even Fnatic just from the regular split, they do, dude. Like, I mean, as you say, if you only need to get, like, a top three, top four spot, they're probably going to get it, right? If you look at the split's gone, I think XL gets one now. They're pretty consistent. Well, it's, it's hard because, once again, you go back to the championship points, right? So Fnatic oh, has a lot of... Yes, true. Yes. Fnatic has a ton of championship points. I think they have 50 um, because of what they ended up doing. It'll in be the same with G2 hurt. as well. Yeah, same yeah. with G2, true. So they're probably going to have to fight for their slot. That's the that's the issue. That's I mean, good I in some sense because I will say I, th this is exactly. I tell you what, Dom, because all these top teams now are the one experienced ones. I actually want teams to actually do something if they go to Worlds, though. Like you know, the famous example was the first year Rogue went. If people remember, they did the same thing, Dom. They were number one seed and they were number one ring, and they won the first match. Oh, maybe even lost the first match to Fnatic, I think. So they lost to Fnatic, but they just qualified for Worlds anyway. That was whack because even though we didn't know at the time they were going to fail, which they did at Worlds, it was like, see, so you qualified and you haven't done anything yet. In playoffs like you can actually yep. just lose every game it's going to be the same vibe if xl goes now yeah same problem right yeah i, I think that that's that's a problem but at the same yeah. time i think like how weird is it that a team because you know mad lions has zero points right they have zero points from spring because they didn't make playoffs how weird is it if mad lions like qualifies as second place right like let's say they're they're they, they get second right rogue is first mad lions is second and g2 comes in as sixth seed like or they actually play sixth in summer how crazy is it that that G2 would be a seed higher than Mad That's Lions. That's wild. Okay, fucking hell. Okay. Yeah, so so G2, they already have 90. Second place is 90. And then if they make, like, and the only way that points apply is if you make playoffs. So if G2 gets six seed, they're already 110, which is almost guaranteed Worlds. Like, 110 is almost sure. guaranteed that you're going to go to Worlds just based on how many points you have and what seed you're going to come in at. So there's a lot of, like, interesting things that could happen. I feel like XL... They should be a top four team in Europe based on how they play the split. I just have a feeling that somehow Fnatic will just get it together just enough to end up overtaking them. And once that's again, how, that's like, how it works every year. Every yep. year, you you always have hope to see some new new faces, right, in the international tournaments. And somehow, I don't know, like you remember this TSM making the run back and actually qualifying for us to do a miserable zero six. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, it was it was crazy because they haven't been that great the whole year, and then oh, they no. just clicked for like. Four weeks and suddenly they just like got skyrocketed towards they won like they won the LCS and I feel like it's always like this like I don't know Hilly saying and, and humanity they're gonna get like a, a super buff of motivation just push themselves mm -hmm. be super nice to their teammate try to shoot call a little bit mm -hmm. more uh, you know and, and and they're gonna win like just clutch games to be in playoffs then in playoffs they're gonna to me the the bet I've made in in the French the French um, podcast that I'm doing is either G two of Natic is not making it I don't know which one. 
But this year, I'm, my bet is not both at the same time. So Mad Lions Rogue, XL, and either Vitality G2 or Fnatic, but I think it's going to be like G2 and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it just depends on on if Fnatic and G2 make playoffs because because like we said, if Fnatic and G2 both make playoffs, they have so many championship points that they might not need to actually be a top four team. That's the thing that's actually fucked up yeah, about stupid, it, yeah. about it is that you don't like. I mean, Fnatic is in the same boat. They have fifty. XL has ten, right? So they have forty point gap, which essentially means that if they're one spot lower than XL, they're automatically higher. And if you're higher than XL, you you gotta believe that the teams that are at the top because you win so many championship points for your ranking in in summer uh regular season the teams at the top will probably like the one two it's very hard for them to not to fall into like the fifth sixth so yeah i mean i think it's 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 really scary for um madden xl if Fnatic ends up making a run in any way because there's so many points you get awarded for like fourth place like you could be fourth place be three games down on the team that's above you but that fourth place is still giving you 50 championship points combine that with your 50 from spring Fnatic suddenly has 100 championship points oh that's like second or third seed so it's exactly. i don't know we'll have to see who knows how this lec split will end but i'll tell you how this episode will end now